This is Daniel Warren Johnson, uh, creator of Space Mullet, and you are listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> He must have listened to last week. <laughs> you think he did? He hasn't said anything. I don't know. He's here right now. Did you listen to last week's show? <laughs> He's all butthurt. He's got a big band-aid on his butt. Oh, damn. <laughs> which, which part exactly are we asking over there? All of it. All of it. Yeah, that's right. There's nothing specific. That's that, that time when it started until it ended. That whole thing. <laughs> That was the least one of my rules that fucking buffed it in on that. Yeah. I knew that would get you. Guy has to take a week off and it's like, it's on all of a sudden. He has to. Like has to. a niece all of a sudden. <laughs> we love both of you. <laughs> I'm sure you do. We do. Chris and I are going to start a new podcast. Only the Lonely? <laughs> No longer around comics. <laughs> yes. Physically. That'd be funny. You just gave a good idea away for free. Thank you. You don't give ideas away. What's up with I'm that? Full of them. Hmm. Block. You're brimming. Overflowing with them. Right. Like Scott. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the hell's going on this week? Uh, Matt is back, baby. It's been 13 days since I've raised the airwaves. Wow. Did you have a good time? Did I have a good time? What was I doing? I don't remember. Well, you made some guys. There was there was a dinner with Beth and gals. Yes, well, sent that yes. photo. So I would do that. Oh, that's right. That's yeah, no, no, that's that. Yes, Thursday night when you recorded, I couldn't because we had plans. Uh, a friend of ours who has a great restaurant in Karlstadt is closing the restaurant down after three years, and so it was a going away party. So we. Uh, he had a private uh, private meal for uh, a bunch of uh, friends and uh, some music, and we closed the place down. It was great. For real? Yeah. Nice. Yep. Were there much tears? No, it was great. I mean, the, the dude, um, he's a friend of a friend. Uh, like one of my good friends oh. here in town grew up with him, and that's how we got this. That's how we discovered the restaurant. But he, uh, you know, look, I mean, uh, you guys know this, I'm sure, but being at a restaurant a restaurant is a tough business. I mean, it's uh, very, very few make any real money at all. And uh, it's very much a labor of love. And he's an extremely talented chef. And, and uh, the restaurant was doing fine and their lease was up and it was time to renew. And he's expecting his first kid. And his wife kind of said, listen, I mean, like, I know this is your thing, but I mean, you're gone 16 hours a day. Is this, you know, and, and that includes the weekends when you own a restaurant. And she's like, is this really... Like, is this what you want to do? And so after some soul searching, he, uh, he decided it wasn't. And he, uh, he's going to go off and be a, he's going to be the executive chef of a, uh, of a country club and, uh, oversee like 30 other staff that, you know, do everything from, from the, the, the restaurant to, you know, sushi to lunch to all that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, it's good. I mean, he's, it's a very, it's a happy closure. You know, it's not like, wasn't like huh. he was closing because the place was, you know, shitting up the joint. Cool. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Good wine, I, good food. It was great. Nice. My wife looked amaze balls. <laughs> she always oh, does. Hey, 
This is 11 O'Clock Comics, episode 426. Can't wait for next week. And I am Vince B. You are Vince B, and you can't wait for next week. I am David A. Price. Indeed you are. And I am the missing man in action, Paul Heyman. <laughs> no, you're not. You're not Paul Heyman. He's some wrestling person. No, I'm saying, but You're... Brock doesn't wrestle, so we can't get Heyman? Can't, brother can't? I don't know. Else? Brother, help a brother out. I think he's preparing to do a reality show. For yeah. real? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, about not not just the wrestling part, but his his other company, his his production company and shit like that. And, and, okay, that's cool. And uh, raising, raising his two kids, even though they're not going to be, I think, on the show. Or at least regulars, but yeah, he's supposed to be doing something behind the scenes. Well, that's good because he's way, way too talented for him not him not to be a regular on the show. Absolutely, cool. Hmm. Love him. It's going to go over as well as Torque's show. Yeah, well, you know, you know, Torque from Valley. Yeah, that's what I was waiting for. <laughs> as he's like, I don't read that shit. <laughs> See, now, but you, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Chris Campbell now. and Daryl will come down. I don't get the venom. But you're not. Paul, hey man, you're Jason Wood in the house. We're all together. And you don't need to body slam anybody to get discounted comic books. The cheapest that you will ever find. All you have to do, Jason, tell them. Where do they go for cheap comic Discount books? Discount comic book service, dcbservice.com. Yeah. Very true. dcbservice.com where you and all your friends and family and all your pets and everybody in the whole universe, the multiverse even, can get the absolute lowest prices on your comics, such as, now, snooze, you lose, this is it. This is the last time you're going to hear these, so you best jump on this train, because it's not stopping. From DC, it's the Blue Beetle, Rebirth number one, Ted Cord, Jaime Reyes, Keith Giffen, Scott Collins. I don't have to say anything else, right? Two ninety nine cover price, you get it for David. Oh, oh, $149? $149, that's 50% off from Dark Horse. Witchfinder City of the Dead, Sir Edward Gray is back in action with Dark Horse and Mike Mignola and Chris Roberson and Ben Stenbeck. Cover artist is Julian Totino Tedesco. I see he does awesome stuff. 350 cover price. Not bad. Yours? $1.75. Last. Certainly. Absolutely, positively, not least, David Walker, Sanford Green, serving up. The first, I knew that would get your attention, the first six issues of Power Man and Iron Fist, collected by Marvel, seventeen ninety nine cover price, which is not bad for six issues, respect, but you won't pay that because you are smart. I'm pointing my finger at you because I'm singling you out. You're smart. Eight ninety nine, 50% off, dcbservice.com. There's only one place to go. Don't be silly. Don't squander your resources. Get more. Get now, more. most of our listeners, because they're awesome, I'm sure, have been buying this in issue form. So you're really asking them to double dip, but that's fine. Well, give the issues away, put the book on the shelf where it belongs, and read it at your leisure without those pesky bags. Yes, sir. There you go. How the hell are you, boys? Good. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Glad to be here this with you. It's a big week. It is. You finished up Very your good. last bit of mastering. Yes, I still have to do the the uh, the visual presentation. When, and when is that? July 
the sixteenth, eighteenth. I don't know. Okay, around there. Awesome. I have to speak for twenty minutes. Yeah, it'll be hard for you. Seriously. And the the kids in the class are like, oh, my God, I'm going to be sick. I have to talk for 20 minutes in front of an audience. I'm like, where's the problem? That is an awesome impersonation of a millennial. No, seriously. Yeah. <laughs> but you know all of us. The only difference is our families are, will be there. So what's, like, seriously, just focus on one person and talk. It's not that hard. Totally. And your baby girl graduated high school last week? Yeah, big doings. That's Life crazy, is changing, bro. How was the party? It was good. Yeah. The bear wasn't. Yeah, the bear showed up at the party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The bear. Well, not long after the party. Yeah, the bear showed up, and then the bear showed up again today. The bear hates me. No, the bear loves you. No, no, this bear hates me. That's that's that's. He's not a very tidy bear. Mm. He just leaves his detritus all over the place. I don't mind him eating, but just be a little neater about it. Does he at least work that? a nice cologne? No, he's a bear. Doesn't wear any. I can think of a few bears that wear nice cologne. Oh, uh, I get it. I get it. Let's do the drink roll call. Let's do it. I have beer this week. Oh, look at you. Yep. Bringing us up. You came, you came back. I figured I'd do it up. <clears throat> I am drinking the yingling. The, the lager? Yeah. So did you know that yingling Ooh. porter is the, is also an original Brew like they made lager and porter at the exact same time way back in the day. Really? I ask. I only know this because this weekend we were hanging out with our peoples in Pensy, and uh, my dude was drinking Yingling Porter, and I was like, "Huh, you know, I've, all these years I've never had Yingling Porter," and then uh, yeah. he dropped that science on me. It didn't catch on, obviously, as well as the no, lager. the lager. Lager turned the company around. That's the joint right there. Yeah, it's great, and not the light that swill. That, that's people. The light is my preferred drink, but that's cool. The way to, way to besmirch me. How many times can we besmirch Jason in the beginning of the episode? Today? I don't know. Let's take score. We're already up to three, so. Uh, I won't do it anymore because I love you. Mm-hmm. Even though you drink smell. Damn. Even though I drink But what smell. are you drinking? Edumacate me. Well, I'm trying to pick us up because, again, I was out last week and I want to, I want to turn it up. It's really the start of summer on a lot of levels. My, my kids finished up school today, so everybody's in a great mood. Uh, and so, in celebration, I am drinking Sweps Mandarin Orange Seltzer. Oh, David. people. <laughs> it's delicious. <sighs> I on life, boys. Yeah, it's, it's, life. it's delicious. It's just not appropriate for the show, but whatever. So, <laughs> once, yeah, a, week, regret- once a week, yeah. oh, I can't wait to talk to my peoples. I'm going to get my sober on. So, <laughs> we have... Uh, I think that was a new classic right there. What? We get my sober on. Get my sober on. The uh, found a new new bottle of wine. The 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 label caught my eye because it's it's black with with some silver lettering. It's very it's it's not pretty like some of the other labels I've seen. This just but it it's it's still eye catching. Just and it's um kind of minimalism, but it's. It's Behringer, which I'm not usually keen on, but it's Founders Estate from California. Uh, it's for Vince. It's Cabernet Sauvignon. Oh. And it's, uh, it's, it is a full-bodied wine with deep berry, toasted oak, and vanilla spice flavors, and it goes down awfully smooth. I am dangerously close to finishing this bottle tonight. Oh, snap. Great. No, one of those. I love it. 
No, because it's not Thursday night. If it was Thursday night, I'd just let it all hang out. But mm. tomorrow's a, war- a full work day. Unlike if we recorded on Thursday nights, I could go on a little bit longer. But you know, whatever. So hey, we're all here. We're gonna have a good time. It's true. I'm quasi boring tonight because I only have one genre. I only brought one genre to the table. Okay. Horror, 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 and, oh, another horror. Shocking. So, yeah. Did you guys read Scooby number two? I did, Please tell course. me you did. Awesome. I didn't it, but yes. Oh, oh David, you're killing me. I am. Softly with my song. I am shocked how violent it is. Did you get that I, far? It's, I was, I, I appreciated Scooby coming to, um, Velma's aid, taking on Kramer. Um, I wasn't kind of expecting that. The, but it, and it, it's not, it's not that it's only violent. The, um, the, did you read? Um, go ahead. Uh, I want to ask you one question after you you complete your sentence. Because I'm rude. The reading is is just the reading. The writing is a. Um, this isn't the the, the Johnny DC Scooby Doo book. Obviously, there it, it's no. it's def- I mean, it's rated T on the cover. It, it's definitely. I you know they're going to talk about Guantanamo and you know so there are definitely things here where if you're a kid watching the old episodes on Boomerang or Cartoon Network, the, the, you're not. This, this really, this is above your, your, your comprehension level a little bit, but, um, it's, it's, it's still gorgeous. And I mean, of course, it's, it's Giffen and, and Damateus, but it, it's a lot of fun. I was skeptical. I'll say it again. I think I was the most skeptical out of all of us on this particular book. And any kind of doubts I had gone. I think it's great. Uh, I think it's great with one small caveat. I, I think it's a little wordy. Um, it, <laughs> Tom McGregor. <laughs> well, yeah. It's, it's close. It's, it is very wordy. But it's okay. I mean, th- there's a lot of exposition here because they're trying to establish the relationships and give us the backstory and get us rolling. I'm hoping we don't get this level of verbosity ongoing because I think Porter's art, as we said in If There's You One, is so good, and it's the best we've seen of Porter in a long time. I, I don't want this, the art, which I think does an amazing job telling the story, to be torpedoed by too many words that tell us the same things that mm-hmm. we don't, we're seeing on the page already. I don't want to be the one to tell you this, but this same creative team, Justice League 3000, 3001, same level of words. Through the entire series, and I guess that makes sense because Giffen DiMatteis are, are their Halcyon days were the eighties, right, in the early nineties, and, yeah. and that's that's the that was the that was the thing then. I mean, it's the Claremont thing, right? This massive exposition, and um, I, again, I, I don't I don't want this to be negative. I, I think I love the second issue. I love what we're going here, and it's I think I wasn't sure after the first issue if this was even though it was called Scooby Doo Apocalypse, and we had that last page reveal. I wasn't sure if there wasn't going to be still just a modern interpretation of the of the the normal Scooby Doo where the villains are relatively innocuous, right? They're but but it's clear after this this is this is an apocalypse. This is, this yeah. is different stuff. Like they're like like we're talking life and death here, like real life yep. and death, not 
darn it, you kids, I would have gotten away with that too if yeah. it wasn't for those, you know. I mean, this is, this is legit life or death kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm floored, really. Mm-hmm. I, I think Porter's creature designs are oh, amazing. Oh, great, right? Amazing. Absolutely yeah. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And David, the thing I wanted to ask you was, did you get to the page after Scooby saves Selma? Where? Wait, did you say Selma? You mean Velma? I said, did I say Selma? I you said Selma. Velma. You meant Velma. The, uh, yeah, where I, the, he, the, the creature throws Velma and then Scooby comes to the yeah. rescue and then the gun, did you get to the next page? With the, with Daphne doing something? Uh, no. Okay. It's hardcore. And it, I, that's what really surprised me. Not only hardcore against their foes, but it's hardcore within the group too. Like, and most of it's Daphne. She's working on her. Oh her yeah, yeah, I see that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But no, this is amazing. The interior of the building. Holy crap. Like, Porter's not content to just eye level. He's got a, the, the one, um, looking down the shaft page where, the, where they're looking down and you see the, the stairway trailing down from issue one. Then in this one, he does another, um, isometric view of the, the interior and you got the stairs. It's amazing. It's like, I, what, what is, what's going on here? This is so good. And he could have just lowballed it and just put, you know, the underside of that walkway. No, he's got panels hanging at odd angles and and shit falling off and goop and and just stuff all over the place. Like this is not. However, uh, the the last page, Velma's face is missing. What do you mean the last page? That's a beacon. Oh, her, her little mouth. Oh is my there. god! Yeah, thanks to the colorist. <laughs> That's okay. No, that's, that's a stylization. I like that. Porter could do no wrong anymore. I know. I got a lot of making up to yeah, do. Yeah, well, dude, there was those... That, that Justice League was a little rough. That JLA was... So you paged through it and you didn't read the the, the pages? Like, that? you just looked to the I'm end? Just, no, I'm flipping through it now while talking to you, but it's. I'm going to go oh. back and read it. Okay, because there's another appearance in there, too. You just let let it come naturally. Don't force it. Well, you know, you're going to talk about it, so... We talked about it, and we did it. It's justice. I think it's a fantastic book. It is, it is. And again, it's about the... It's it's the art, and even though it's a little wordy, I love the setup. I love the gravity of it. I love the modern reinterpretations of each of them. Um, It's great. Yeah, it's just... I hope the book is doing well. I hope it continues to do well. Yeah, I think it'll do fine. For now. For now. The newness. The novelty of it. I got something I need to rave about, and I'm going to ask why the two of you didn't turn me on to this. Hmm. Oh, my Could God. <laughs> oh, I, I got to listen now. I'm done. I'm done. I know uh, it's coming, being, and I just... I think being facetious. Oh. I'm being facetious, of this course. This is... What it is. This time of the year where, where, where my heart hurts. I know what Wait, it is. Wait, why is your heart hurt this time of the year? It only, it, it happens just once on a very great while. So this is, I, I'm guessing that this is, tis the season right now is, is where you're going to talk about something where it, it's your ghost rider. It, it's funny. It's, it's all good. It's just, this is. <laughs> 
I don't want to go. So go ahead. Go ahead. Cracking me up. Well, yeah, I'm glad you guys. I mean, you know, you two are are much, much more ardent and loyal Spider-Man fans than I am. Yeah. This is true. And uh, so I count on you two to let me know when it's time to read Spider-Man books. <laughs> so it was with great pleasure at my own genius realizing I had forgotten that I pre-ordered this particular book. And thankfully I did because you two were of no help. Right. Oh, my I God. I recommended this thing to you. <laughs> this is great. I would love to know what I should be reading, Jason. I am talking about the special edition Marvel Treasury Edition of Spidey. Yes. Now, all kidding aside, uh, you guys talked about this and recommended it to me, and I said, nah, son, to Vince when he mentioned it. And I really, I, I, I must have been saying that because it was a Spider-Man book, and I like to fuck with you guys about Spider-Man. I don't think so. I think you're just dismissing me as you always oh, do. Oh, that's so not true. <laughs> I long to see you all more often and speak to you, but you just are too busy. Right? Um, but in all seriousness, you did mention it, and I Dang. don't remember saying dismissing it. And clearly, if I did dismiss it, it was just messing around with me because I did pre-order it. But I didn't remember pre-ordering it, and so when it came in my DCBS box, it was one of those moments that you don't get too often these days because we're so inundated in the culture. I It was like a little gift. I, I opened up my box. I saw it. I was like, what is this? And uh, it became the first thing I read out of the box. Nice. And it was half price, too, if I remember it correctly. Was. And it yep. is absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, like, it's, it's phenomenal. True. I mean, I... I really think Marvel should do one of like one of these a month, like not Spidey every time. Just do do one of these Treasury editions every month for one of the books they want to highlight. That's not a bad idea. Well, you could do Miss Marvel. You, there's so many you could choose yeah. from. I mean, even if you wanted to go back into the vaults to uh, Parker's X Men First Class stuff. I mean, there are Marvel's got a ton. You got the Wolverine, the the Peter David mm-hmm. written where Wolverine and Kitty Pride or Jubilee. There's just so many stories that they could highlight. And, and collect them in this format and just, and Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur is perfect yes. for this. You're right. You're right. Um, so yeah, I mean, this, this book was just a super duper treat. It's, it's a, a reprint of, of, uh, five comics of Spidey one through three, uh, written by Robbie Thompson, uh, art by Nick Bradshaw and then Spider-Man number one and two written by Bendis uh, art by Sarah Pacelli. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just, I just thought this was terrific. I, I didn't pay much attention to the Spidey comic solicits. Um, I knew it was an all, a, a book that was going to, at least as I understand it, maybe step out of the main continuity and tell stories from when Peter had just become Spider-Man. So, so a, a kind of a look back. Uh, I, but I didn't expect it to be this much fun. Each issue, First of all, Bradshaw's perfect. That's the perfect kind of art for him, I think. That, that he, I think it's a perfect fit for him. His art looks awesome, oversized. Um, and I love, with each of the three issues, he starts each issue essentially the same, which is the opening salvo of, of him becoming Spider-Man, him in the wrestling ring, Uncle Ben dying. It's essentially that same scene to start us off. So instead of the normal Marvel... Uh, recap page that we get a lot. He draws the recap page and it's basically the same except the intro, um, the intro text is different each time, but he looks phenomenal. Love his Spider-Man 
And I love that each of these issues was essentially a one-shot where we're introduced to one of Spider-Man's classic villains. Um, you get Doc Ock. You get uh, Sandman. You get the Lizard. Um, and they're one and done, and it's just classic Peter and, uh, uh, you know, Peter interacting with, with all of his constituents, uh, figuring out how to make, uh, make a living. He discovers how to be, you know, they should be a photographer. Um, it's just awesome. It was just absolutely awesome. It's everything that I think made most of us fall in love with Spider-Man at some point in our lives. Um, and it makes me want to definitely read the, the book, the Spidey book. I, I had paid it no mind until then. And then um, the Spider-Man 1 and 2, first of all, we know Pacelli's awesome because we've seen yeah. her art for a long time. She's amazing. Um, this is the Miles Morales book, only now Miles. It's the Miles in our in Marvel 616. Um, and again, I was, I was aware of this book, and I, I, I did plan on reading it in trade. Um, and I thought this was great, too. This is a much more conventional book in that this is grown-up Spider-Man, um, grown-up Miles, I say grown-up Spider, meaning uh, Peter Parker's in this as as well, but but the the modern part, portion of Peter Parker, um, and and they interact together, and Miles is learning to figure out where his place is here in this new universe that he's in, um, but uh, but yeah, I thought it was I thought it was excellent as well. I I don't know much about Miles' backstory or his supporting cast because I didn't read his book in the Ultimate, so it's a relatively new character to me, but. Um, I like the setup. I like the idea of Black Cat being involved as a villain. I very much dig um, Miles' parents and, and their take on his schooling and cracking down on him. So just an absolute grand slam for me. I, I told Dap this is probably going to run away with my favorite one-shot of the year, and he got all butthurt because it's not a one-shot and it's a reprint. But um, it's, it's going to fit into my Oclosker somehow. I, I just can't say enough what fun it was to have this issue presented in nice. form. Glossy, oversized pages. Ah, just awesome. Just phenomenal. Oh, the pages are glossy? Yeah. Ah, oh, that's not right. Mm, well, no. Sorry. It, you you gotta you, have new treasure. Yeah, you do. You do. But that's, I mean, if that's gonna be your one shot, then I think Rebirth is gonna be my, uh, independent book of the year. Oh, there come you go. on, son. I, I don't come wanna be on. that guy. But I will. I'll be that guy. They're, they're calling it a treasury edition, but it's not the same size. Treasury editions originally were 10 by 14. Right. This is not. This is, um, according to Amazon, this is 10.2 by 13.4. So it's 0.6 inches shorter, but it's 0.2 inches wider. That's what she said. Yeah. It's a trade-off, right? But... The only thing that's bothering me now that you said it's glossy paper. Oh, it's magazine paper. Yeah, that's not good. Oh, it looks amazing. It looks absolutely amazing. And ironically, but not so ironically, because it is Marvel, to relaunch the Treasury Edition um, format with Spider-Man was was smart because Spider-Man was the first Treasury Edition. Now, I know you pimped this, Vince, but have either of you received this yet or are you waiting for your shipment? Once a month, bro. Yeah. So not yet. No. And have either of you read any of the constituent issues that are reprinted here? Yes, I read the Spidey ones. Did you like them? They're awesome. They're- I think Brad Bradshaw's an amazing, he amazing. He is, right? He really I mean, we've met we say this every time his name comes up, but he is the closest thing to Art Adams that Yeah. You know. Right. And see when you said, Oh, you know what would be great, you know, to they should do this once a month and I was thinking 
this is perfect for long shot. Recolor long shot oh. and do it in the treasury edition format because it's only what six issues, right? Was it five? Was it five? Well, then even better, right? Because this is five. Yeah. But I always hated the coloring on the original long shot series. Mm. The coloring's not good, and a lot of it obscures. See, that's the thing. I mean, they they recolored the... it though with that. Um, with I thought they recolored it with that Marvel, the the that classic hardcover that the deluxe hardcover. Oh, they did. I so. Oh, I could be wrong, but I feel like I have, I have one of my copies too, is recolored. But maybe I didn't read it, mm. but I have it. Hmm. Um, but yeah, that you know, it's it's great. Now here, you you started the the topic of conversation. Mm-hmm. What should they reprint out of all the past Marvel? Now let's look at well, maybe five or at the most six issues. It, the one thing I will say, I guess I was coming at this a little bit of a different tack because when I said they should do this every month. I was taking it from the more literal sense that they're clearly trying to do this in a, as a way to expose people to ongoing, like existing books. Yeah. So cool. You guys were, were riffing on some of the classic stuff that they would, that we'd be like to see in this, uh, this version. I, I, which would be cool too. I just, I, it seems like this is a marketing ploy for them to try and. It, it, and it's a way to get people who already bought the issues to buy them again. Well, for sure. Yeah. 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 Because, I mean, if this is going to be the try-it book, aren't they traditionally three to five issues? Mm-hmm. I think there's three issues, yeah. right? Yep. Three three issues for the price of yep. one or around there. Um, why not? I would like to yeah. see uh, some maybe some Guardians this big. Uh, Guardians of – you could maybe do like a few issues of Guardians of Infinity and then throw a couple of Rocket Roots in there. Yeah. You yeah. could um, – David, as, he said, as David said, I think you could do – I think Miss Marvel and Nova would be great together because they're um they're yeah. they're pretty much Miss Marvel, Nova, and Miles Morales are pretty much inseparable at this point in the Marvel universe. They appear everywhere together. Um, you could do you could do a Spider Woman and Captain Marvel joint because they're yeah. they're in each other's books. Um, I don't know. Those possibilities are endless. You could do a um maybe do a little little Black Widow. Um, Daredevil joint, perhaps. Vision right. and uh, Scarlet Witch. That'd be oh, that'd be dope. That'd be dope. Um, let's do a Weird World anthology with all new stories. Ooh. Yep, Weird yeah. World in this Hives. format. Yeah, that's the heat. You could obviously do X Men ones as well. You could like do yeah, ex- nope, like three I issues of, of Lemire's and and Umberto's Extraordinary, and then okay, redeemed. <laughs> yeah, redeemed. Yeah. So there you go. So huge, huge thumbs up to Marvel for the Treasury Edition. How much was that? I don't even know. Let's see. Fifteen ninety nine cover. That's pretty expensive. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Fuck, it is. That is pretty expensive. (laughs) (laughs) But it's really not. If if you go by three ninety nine an issue, there's five issues in there. It's twenty bucks. So they're actually giving it to you at a discount. And it's it's and then on top of it, and, and yeah, I mean it's. No, you're right. I guess it just, it feels like it should be a comic, right? Like it's an oversized comic. But yeah, you're right. It is, it is five issues of, of comics. So it's a trade. So. Yeah. And like you said, I'm sure we paid, uh, probably paid 750 for it. Yeah, around there. 758 yeah. bucks. Uh, I was a little taken aback when you said that it contains two issues of the Bendis yeah. Pacelli joint. As with I David. I, yeah, I don't remember that. I thought it was all Bradshaw. No. Cause that's the cover. And that's, I mean, that's just, it, it, yeah, I was un- I was under the impression that I I didn't really read I guess I didn't read the solicits but I was and I I should go back and check the previews to see if it does mention it but yeah I just I, I because it's treasury and it's it's you know designed for all ages and not that the Spider Man book isn't but it's um yeah everything about it 
just from from jump just made me think it was it was the Robbie Nick Spidey series and and our boy um Kyrie Randolph is is uh working on the book too. Oh cool. Nice. Let's let's yeah. be clear there's absolutely nothing wrong with Pacelli. No there is no. not. There is absolutely no. not and like and and I have to you know, with the work she's been doing with Bendis whether it's 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 the ultimate line of stuff or or um Guardians of the Galaxy and she's she has her fans and, and now that you know, she's working on a Spider-Man book and there are a couple of issues bundled with this treasury edition, which will hopefully is inviting visually that that would get people to try it out. I'm hoping that, uh, maybe she ends up with some more fans from, from this collection. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, it is cool. And I hope they keep doing these. You know it. They are the hotness. The heat. Except the paper. But. Yeah. That's, you can't have everything. about non-superhero books, or is that a... I think we can, yeah. Really our thing. I hope we, so, because I'm probably going to have something non-superhero in a little bit. I just wasn't sure if it was our thing, if we were up to that challenge. Um, I don't think either of you are up to date on this. But, uh, so I'm just going to give it a, a very quick... Once over. Okay. Are you, did, have you, what was the last issue of Afterlife of Archie that you've read? The trade, whatever the last issue of the trade is. Okay. David? Yeah, no, I'm way behind. Okay. Well, I read Afterlife number nine by Mr. Um, Roberto Aguirre Sacasa and the awesome Francesco Francavilla. The story that was already pretty damn dark to begin with just takes uh, an even darker turn and it's now in walking dead territory oh because the um zombies jughead um uh, everyone who's turned are not the biggest threat interesting yeah there's uh a person that they've known forever okay and he is messed up Ooh. Yep. And um I find it interesting that the continuity with Afterlife with Archie is not the same as Sabrina, which I also Really? Read. No, it's not. Huh. Okay. Uh, because in Sabrina, which I have right here, I bought issue number five, mm-hmm. which has the awesome uh creep show pastiche cover. You remember the, the poster for Creepshow yes. with the kids? Yes, yes. And while uh, Sabrina's reading Red Circle Sorcery um, in her bed, and uh, Madam Satan is looking in through the window, and her eyes are all skulls and shit. And on the wall, there's movie posters for um, Black Sunday with uh, Barbara Steele. It's amazing. Um, but this Sabrina is all timid when she... She's just a good-hearted person, even though she has uh, supposedly sold her soul to the devil, mm-hmm. um, but nowhere near as malicious as the Sabrina that's in Afterlife. Oh, okay. And you'll, and you'll see why. Mm-hmm. But I, I can't tell you anything, but um, uh, a bargain is struck, and it will um, severely affect the, the Riverdale gang. All right. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. And I, th- I think in, in Afterlife, Sabrina is actually the, the, the bride of Cthulhu. <laughs> yeah. 
you got to read these. They're they're amazing. Oh, I own them all. Uh, I just have them. And I get 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 caught up. I see. This is these are two books. I can't wait for the trade. Cannot do it. I, I when they first came out, I bought the first issue and I loved it so much. We talked about it at length, and I said to myself, "There's no way I'm going to be able right. to 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 wait for this." And all in one. Every time we and, we go down this rabbit hole, I I I. I Die a little inside because I realize how many books I would love to read right now that I just, there's yeah. just too many. There's too many. Yeah. I, I mean, it's absurd. I, I would say based on my current reading pace, I would guess I have 15 years of reading in this house. Hmm. Bride of Cthulhu, that's honest to gosh tentacle porn, isn't it? I mean, legit tentacle yeah. porn. Yeah. I just thought about that. Yeah. Um, but there's one drawback. With waiting for, uh, with, with reading these in single issues. They take forever to come out. I think we only got like two issues of Afterlife last year. Oof. And maybe one, maybe one of Sabrina. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, they, they trickle out. So it's, it's almost like, I mean, if you had to wait for the trade, what are you, what are you talking like four years? <laughs> so <laughs> all these, right. But you know, good things and those who wait, right? Um, I, I think Archie's doing a fantastic job. The only, I can't vouch for the, the ongoing Archie, the revamp with um, it's Mark Wade, right? Yeah, that's writing it. I, I I've only taken a look at one issue and it just didn't didn't click. Nah, it didn't. You've read it. I read the first issue. I um, there was enough there to keep me to go, to have me go back for the. Se- I didn't dismiss it from jump. It was um, but I flipped through the second issue and um. I, I don't know if we were, if we had some plans to discuss something on, on the show and it just, it, it ended up getting further and further down in my pile. And then Fiona was only on for the first arc. And I think it's Veronica Fish who's, who picked up the art after that. And it looked nice, but it's still, I mean, we're, it's not like we're so against alternate takes and, and, and new visions because we just got done talking about Scooby Apocalypse. So we, mm-hmm. we can right. enjoy other things in different me- in other iterations. But, um, I don't, like part that. of it was just, I don't know if it was felt like change for change's sake or if it was, it, it's not like Archie's untouchable, like, like, like you with Popeye or, or Peanuts, Vince. It's just, there are things that, not so much Popeye, but definitely yeah, peanuts. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it was just, it just, we have Afterlife, we have the, the originals, we have, um, the married life. I mean, there are. Well, yeah, they just did that with Life with Archie, right? right? That which was the different. Would, I mean, which is why Afterlife with Archie is such a, ah, it's, that's, <laughs> so it's, but it, it, it just, um, I wasn't, I think what it is is I wasn't feeling the majority of the changes in the characters and, and the way they introduced Veronica and, and, and lodges in, into the, uh, and, and we're, we're, I'm, I'm cool with, you know, these people already being fleshed out and, and having these lives, but we're, we're getting the back end of a breakup between Archie and, and Betty. And I'm just, it's, Will they or won't they is, is a lot of what, you know, who's, who's Archie going to pick is, is some of the draw for me in the old stories. And, and to know that he's, he and Betty have already been a thing and they're over and, and Ronnie hasn't even entered the picture. There's just, I, I need to kind of readjust my, my, my perception of it. 
once you have Betty, you just you don't no, go anywhere. You, don't. you really you don't. stay because you made the right yeah, choice. Yeah. yeah, you want a life of living hell, or do you want so you know a dream? So, life? I mean, if I'm reading a story <laughs> where choice, Archie's dude. already done with Betty, then that's not really the kind of world I really want to live in. It's true. It's very true. I'm going to make a pact. Uh-huh. This happens to me every single week. I bring a stack of books, lay them on my scanner, and I plan to talk about them all. And I don't. And I take the ones I talked about and bring them to the secure location in the vault. And then the ones I, I, I haven't talked about never get talked about mm-hmm. because more books go on top of them. So I'm going to make a point of talking about every book I want to each week, even if it's just one sentence. Oh, we should we should maybe think about rolling in a lightning round then. Yeah, so I can just get this off my scanner. That's what I do. My scanner is like the way station. So mm-hmm. Books on a scanner is not good. No. Because the scanner doesn't get used. Right. Oh, yeah. Right. See how it works? Can I tell you that I was feeling a little melancholy uh, about uh, Missing Heroes, huh? Yeah. No, we knew that. Yeah. No. It's... You beat yourself up pretty fierce. That was a guy to be feeling it, too, yeah? Oh, absolutely. Especially when... All right. Now, first of all, boo, we have to... And since Vince will be with us next year, this is perfect. Oh, uh, well, he'll be there. Yeah, damn right um, I will be. Apparently, according to our boys, mm-hmm. Cliff... And Justin and Vander, there's a new place we got to try. Mertz has some competition. Yeah, my man Sean Pryor was telling me about it too. It's called Sauce Man's, and this is okay. No, the the three of them were telling me about this place called Sauce Man's, and they (laughs) super legit. No, (laughs) (laughs) they were, you know, I mean, and for for. For Brian, it'd be one thing because he's from Chicago. They got mm-hmm. fish pizza and shit. You know, I don't know if I'd really trust him talking about. But Cliff and Justin <laughs> live a couple hours. No, they know. They know the here, so they know their fucking barbecue. Oh, they know. The so queue. if they're going to tell me so much, they swear. They about do, it. dude. If, if they're going to say, <laughs> you know, it's money, baby, and then it's it's just then yeah, I, I figure then fuck it, we will make it <laughs> make our way to this place next year. Not to say we're not doing Mertz, but. If they want to talk this place up, I got to try it. I love me some barbecue. And before we get off of Heroes, um, it's not really a love connection. It's more of a reconnection because uh, apparently, I just found this out over the weekend, our boy Brian Vander and our boy listener of the show and, and brewer, Southside Eric, Eric Walsh, uh, they... They knew each other in grade school so much. They were, they were comic buddies. Like, like Vander would sleep over Eric's house and shit on weekends. And, and they just reconnected recently. And part of it is because of EOC. That is awesome. Oh, look at that. That was seriously, I was like, that's, that's no fucking joke. That, well, just keeping with the cue. Yes. It's, uh, one of the many reasons I got verklempt about missing it was that, uh, First of all, we missed it for the right reasons because we decided to go to Chicago, and I was thrilled and absolutely giddy that we got back into the Chicago scene. So, so no, no regrets there. But it was amazing to me how many of our peoples went to Heroes this year for the first time. Hmm. Vander, as you mentioned, you got Ju- Julian was set up there. You had cool. you had uh, Sean Pryor was set up there, uh, nope. and there were many peeps and. I was talking to Sean, who also was hanging out with Vander, and Sean said that uh, he, Julian, Richie Pope, and Chris Kindred 
hit a barbecue joint called Queen City Q. And he said that was off the chain. And he said they have a beer there called Juicy J. Oh, snap. So I think you're right, Dap. I think we're going to be eating a lot of Q next year. Yeah. Uh, we may not even go to Mertz. <laughs> All right, dude. I'm, That's okay by me. We went to Mertz. No, to be fair. I mean, Mertz isn't exactly, I mean, Mertz is a soul food place. Yeah. So it's a little different than straight up barbecue. But. And it's also the place, because it is literally down the street from the convention yeah. center, is where everybody goes. And we're lucky because we're not we're not breaking down tables. We can kind of get over there before the show closes and all the pros right. and their boys are, are waiting in, out in the street to get in. We can be in and out before the crowd shows up. But, um, you know, if... If there are, if we can leave that to the crowds and, and try out some other places, as long as we also, we, as, as long as we hit that diner and yep. after the auction, I don't, you know, you can, you can write whatever the hell else we're going to do that weekend. I just need those Word. two things. And talk about other ways that cosmic things tie together. Uh, it was clamoring for the post heroes con art, you know, trying to see pictures of what people bought, what people drew. Uh, our boy Mike Ruth says, uh, "Oh, I'm I'm working on this jam piece here on Sunday." Yes. <laughs> uh, no pressure. I got to finish this dude's jam piece that's got Jay Lee and you know, and, and I look and it, who is it? It's fucking Vander's Justice League piece. Yeah. Yep. So I was like, "No pressure. That's my dog, though. You got to hook him up. Got to hook him up, Ruth." And Ruth did a fantastic black. He movie. did. He did. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, man, that. Uh, whew. Yeah, it hurt. I'm it hanging hurt a little with- bit. What? I'm hanging with Bean next year. Bean if he was, goes Bean, back next year. Bean, Bean was up in there. Wendy yeah. was up in there. Alan yeah. was up in there. Um, I think they all went because they knew we weren't going. That's what I think. That's gotta be That's it. Not true. No, I'm kidding, of course, but, um. But Bean looks for the same things I would. Yeah. So we could tag team. I look for stuff for him and looks for stuff for me. But, I, but Bean, Bean certainly does view the EOC Facebook page as his own personal diary, so. <laughs> No, no. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. But, but Bean also has to maybe wait for the panels to start filling in with some people before he snaps for the reels. Bean, send me a picture. I look like, I look like, dude. It's like the only person at Mike Grell's panel was his mom. It's like, dude. It's hard out there for a grill. I can understand that. Long in the tooth. Travis Knight. Uh, let's, but, uh, uh, but anyway, I just uh, shout out to those guys, and, and it's made me all the more excited for New York, which will be here before we know it. Yeah, it's true. It's true. All right. I got another thing real quick. Oh, no, go ahead, man. You don't need to put qualifiers on it. This is, this is the Marvel, Marvel Magazine uh, spotlight for the month. Okay. Remember I said I was going to do that every month? I read issues one to three of Vampire Tales. Nice. 1973 issue one features an absolutely stunning, gorgeous, amazing Esteban, um, Moroto cover. It is amazing. And, uh, there's a woman lying on her back. Her shirt's somewhat open, but the, the texture and the quality and the color is just fantastic. It, it's easily, yeah, I'll say this. It's easily the best cover in the Vampire Tales run. Mm hmm. Which isn't all that long. 11 issues, maybe. Right. Um, so 1973, the thing, I, I reread these. I, I own the single issues. Um, this I reread in the Digest format, Vampire Tales Volume 1, which was published, I don't know, a couple years ago. It's kind of hefty, 1999, but I didn't get it for that. 
it was on, uh, Marvel's been blowing out trades for a while. I think I maybe paid five bucks for this, mm-hmm. which is, right? The thing I took away from this was that Morbius was terrible at controlling the bloodlust back in the day. Terrible. He was absolutely horrible yeah. at it. He would, he would feel the slightest twinge, oh, the bloodlust. He would just kill somebody. And drink their blood, like didn't even think about it. And we know, we've seen, thanks to the the benefit of hindsight, that Morbius really struggled with controlling that at at some point to the to the degree where he would have this this plasma concoction thing that he would just drink to to stave off the hunger. And that was cool. Like I don't know why he didn't think about it back then, being the smart dude that he is. But the body count that Morbius racks up in these early issues is crazy. Like there's things going on around him. There's there's the children of Satan. There's a cult going on that 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 kidnaps um, a woman that he runs into, and and he's embroiled in all this. The first uh, part was written by Steve Gerber, my man, Steve Gerber. Uh, but um, Don McGregor wrote part two, and I believe part three, and Buckler illustrated part. Two and three and Pablo Marcos illustrated part one. So, um, you, you have people trailing through this thing like demon fire and poison lark and it's, it's, they're all embroiled in this, this scheme to, to revive, um, something really nasty and they need this girl to do it. And Morbius is caught in the middle of it. But while he's being altruistic and trying to save this hot ass blonde, he's killing people. Left and right, like he'll be walking down an alley, <gasps> the bloodlust, and he just takes a victim. Like, oh, my soul is being ripped from my body. I'm so despondent over killing this innocent person, but yet he does it again. Like, Michael was bad back then. He had no control whatsoever. And I just find it interesting because we know where Morbius has gone, and it's like nowhere near the way he was. So has he matured? Has he Has he found a way to... I don't know, budget that, that pain, uh, whatever. But back in the day, Morbius was a killing machine. Big time. Do you remember these stories? A little bit. Vaguely. Yeah. Uh, he would, I find it funny in the comics, at least Marvel comics, when a vampire kills somebody, all you get is the two little pug puncture wounds. Like their, their teeth are somehow straws that right. they can suck. That's ridiculous. When when a vampire feeds, he rips the throat out, and and that's how va- vampires feed. Like the two little dots doesn't make any sense at all, mm-hmm. unless the teeth were hollow. Which then, I think some vampires, yes, that they, they they are. I think stories were written where yes, they were they 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 were hollow. They're they're, they're sucking the the blood through. Yeah, that doesn't make much sense either, unless the teeth are somehow connected to the 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 respiratory tract. Because how would you suck in? Like if your teeth go into your skull, they they would have to be connected to the nasal passages somehow, right? It just doesn't. You, the more you think about it, the the less sense it makes. Mm-hmm. Seriously, but um, issue two of Vampire Tales is by far the showstopper. In addition to a story by the one and only Jim Steranko called At the Stroke of Midnight, and he has a horror host that he created called Digger. Impeccable. 
this whole story, this, it's only like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven pages, maybe seven pages. Yeah. It's, it's impeccable, Stranko. It's, it's amazing. It's all done in black and white. There are more panels per page. I mean, some, some pages you even lose track of the, the, the panels. It's just, it's typical Stranko in a gothic mansion with skulls and, and all the, the trappings and the, the ornate, architecture and, 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 you know, uh, furniture. It's amazing, amazing work, but it's not the best story in the issue visually. Hmm. That award goes to the one and only John Romita. He does a simple four page story featuring Satana, devil's daughter, who is walking down a, uh, dark city street. She's all, you know, bundled up. She's got a hood on and she's, she's kind of looking around, you know, timidly and what's going on here, right? But you don't know it's Satana when it starts. And, and her, her heels are clacking against the pavement. She thinks she's alone and, um, a street thug comes up to her and he's like, Hey baby. And, uh, you know, she feigns surprise. And a little bit of, uh, well, a lot of, of timidness. And he roughs her up and he opens up her jacket. And, you know, Satana's original costume was far different from what it evolved into. But it's still split up to the, from, from belly to like the middle of her breasts. And he's like, mm, you know, I think I got a live one. And, and she grabs the guy's face and kisses him and sucks out his soul. And when Satana sucks out your soul, it's a butterfly. I think that's brilliant. She sucks the butterfly uh-huh. right from this. No, it's amazing, but it's John Romita. And this thing is absolutely stunning. So gorgeous. He does it in a series of vertical panels. Some eight per page. Um, others, uh, and, and to compose vertically is not easy. Especially when you're dealing with one figure walking down you know, a lonely street, you have to plan very carefully what you're going to include in the composition. The, 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 the viewpoint, you know, and he absolutely, well, there's a reason why Ramita is regarded as a master. And this story alone will, will convince anyone. It is amazing. Cinematic out the wahoo. And he has basically a one inch by three and a half, four inch panel to do it. In each instance, it's just, it's impeccable. It's like, I said, I think I said this about Savage, uh, Savage Tales, that one Ramita, um, story that was, uh, he, he included in that. If, if you look back and there are a shit ton of great artists in this book, you have Pablo Marcos, Winslow Mortimer, Bernay, um, let's see who else is in here. Rich Buckler. Uh, Esteban Maroto, Carmine Infantino, Klaus Jansen, uh, inked Buckler, uh, Vicente Ibanez is in here, Paul Reinman. These are great illustrators. When one guy, and Steranko, when one guy outclasses Steranko, you gotta be major oh, league. For me, the senior was certainly that. I mean, just an amazing, amazing talent. He's still, we still got him, right? He's still with us. Steranko? No, yes, and Ramita Sr. Oh, yeah, still. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they're they're both still alive, yeah. but this 
this Ramita story just will knock you on your ass. And it's so simple. There's almost no dialogue in it. Very, very slight dialogue. It's just Satana, you know, doing what the devil does by nature and turning the tables on somebody who thought they had the upper hand. And she she drops her trench coat and her hood, and she's all sexy ass. Mm. Mm. Uh, there won't be a next time for you, little man, but if there were, I'd advise you not to pick on Satana. And the last panel, the guy is laying on his back, but his neck is crooked all the way back where he's looking at the reader, and you see Satana in the distance, and the 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 weight is on the leg, and she's walking, and the hips are moving. It's amazing, just absolutely amazing. I, I There's no limit to the amount of love I will bestow upon John Romita. Uh, senior. Love it. He's incredible. And if that wasn't enough, Ramita appears elsewhere in this issue as well. He tag teams with um, Jesus Blasco uh, on a story written by Gardner Fox called The Five Claws of Trifon that features, remember I talked about Savage Tales number three with that demon on the front and Conan swinging at it yes. and he's rimlet. This demon appears in this damn story. Nice. It's the give or take a pair of horns. It is the same damn demon. And you got to bless John Ramita Sr. for a little bit of conceptual continuity because when he liked something, he used it. And it, it, it works. It's vampire tales. Love it. Awesome. Yeah. That's um, not all I have, but I will relinquish <laughs> Just on fleek tonight. Um, quick little follow up to a discussion we had last week. Um, the, uh, the comics journal transcript from, from that panel. The, uh, apparently from that era, uh, Gene Colan had some things to say about Jim Shooter and, and, with Gene leaving Marvel was that uh, apparently Shooter, in, in Gene's words, Shooter hated me. I was miserable. It was the worst experience, one of the worst I've ever experienced. I had to leave Marvel because of him. Um, so that's that's when he went to DC to do um, Night, Night Force, Force and Wonder Woman and Batman and yeah. Oh, so, wow. so it was because of Shooter. And as far as um, Burn, there was one part that I that I didn't mention when when Byrne brought up Roy Thomas. And, and, um, his lack of writing ability when he was, Shut your when mouth. he was adapting, um, one of the, uh, he was working with Carmine and Fantino and they were adapting a, a, a book. And apparently instead of writing it, Gene said that, uh, John Burns said that Thomas had ripped pages out of the novel and sent that to Infantino to, to draw. Uh, but Roy Thomas threatened to sue Byrne for libel and, um, and Byrne wrote into the comics journal and recanted saying that he was only repeating things that other pros had told him. Okay. He said, she said. Yeah. So that's bullshit. So that was, um, even if Roy did that, (laughs) no, I mean, you know, how many books was Roy writing a month? Like 15? I, I'm being facetious, but the dude was very, very busy. He was. He was, without a doubt. And when you adapt a novel, what's better than the source material? So, <laughs> <laughs> But if you're adapting a novel, how do you adapt? 
you know, Last of the Mohicans or Franken's or, or you know, Mary Shelley's Frank. You're going to it for for Classics Illustrated. It, it's like how does it's it's a 400 page novel. Let me put it in 22 comic book pages, and it's it's so. Even you can't rip pages out of a novel and say, here, artist, draw this. You have to modify it for the medium you're in. So Roy would still have to do some work. Right. But for certain pages, if, for certain you know, pages, page, here's, here, page, page 12, here, do this. Well, that would work. That, that could work. It would. Uh, <laughs> you're adorable. Uh, has, um, adorbs. I, I know we've been doing a shit ton of reading and, and, We've had a couple of weeks of interviews so, and guests, so we haven't talked about things we've been reading. But has anybody been watching TV or Netflix? No. Yes. Well, Jason's the odd man out. You talking Voltron? I'm talking Voltron. I'm up to episode oh, four. Oh, wow. Yeah. The first episode of Voltron. The Row Beasts are amazing. Uh, I do believe the first episode uh, early on. There was a scene, um, I think, after the the simulator uh, that included maybe two or three familiar faces from Robotech. What? Yeah, that the artist kind of just drew in there. Yeah. Uh. Uh, but in any case, um, no, the new the new Voltron uh, Legendary Defender is really really good. Yes, it is. Uh, it's it's gorgeous, and it's um, it even the diehards are loving it. I, I'm which, glad. I'm glad. I haven't I haven't looked to see you know any pros and cons. I'm just I'm I watch it when I can. The first episode's an hour. Other episodes are, are twenty three, twenty five minutes, about a half hour. So um, they're easy enough to to get through, and they go by so quick. I can't believe when they're over. It's it's just crazy. But uh, it's not. The Voltron you would come home to and watch after school. Uh, there are some slight tweaks. It's but I think for the style. better. Oh yeah, no, it's, it's yeah. still, I mean, it's the five lines. It's just some of the characters may have been changed, but overall, um, you can't, it's, it's, it's. If we'll ever see the bigger Voltron with all the vehicles? With the cars. <laughs> the car Voltron. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have that Chogokin and I hate it. I hate the car one. Oh man, I'm all for it. I, I'm that's what I'm doing. I'm scanning uh, Hobby Link Japan to see when the 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 uh, Voltron, the new design Voltron Shigokin is going to be made. I need. Oh, I that. need to I, I, read about son. Yeah, I love that design. I think it's very like nice. a bonnet. Yep, yep, and you know they're going to do it. Uh, for sure. I need it in metal. Um, yeah, I I was again. It's nice to be surprised. I, I, but you know, the truth be told, I didn't love Voltron back in the day. I watched that it. That is really shocking to me. I, well, um, I don't know why. Well, you love, I, 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 you I thought, I thought, but there was you and you love, yeah, these robots. I mean, why, why would that, why would I not think you loved Voltron? Well, I had a slight bias because a lot of it was edited. There was there were things that were edited out that I knew were edited out that I wouldn't have the opportunity to, to see because it was was it not at the dawn of of the VHS um, onset and tapes weren't easy to get right back back then so Voltron would always cut 
I don't want to say always because someone will call me on that. More often than not, Voltron would cut the Roe Beast in half to defeat it yes. with the sword. He would, he would completely eviscerate it. And a lot of that was cut for American audiences. I don't know why. I mean, you know, cut a monster in half. What's wrong with that? But there was a silliness quotient to it too mm-hmm. that I, I didn't, you know, if you're going to, be with the giant robots. I want it to be damn serious because what's more serious than a giant robot? You know, right? I don't know. I don't make any sense. Voltron didn't really click with me. I I, I watched it. I enjoyed it, but I wasn't like gotta get home to watch the Voltron. I would watch it. But Love this is. Oh, love yeah. loved Robotech, yeah, loved G Force, yeah. loved uh loved Bionic Six and and Galaxy Rangers. There were. There, Battleship Yamato. Yeah, oh yeah. Captain Harlock. Yeah. yeah. Star Blazers was. Star yeah, Blazers was my, was my number one. Right. Was which is favorite. right. Which, which is the American version of what Vince just said. So it, it, there are, um, there were definitely reasons why I enjoyed the, I enjoyed those a lot more than I did He-Man and the Master of the Universe. Oh shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. That was one of the, that was the only popular cartoon of that time as a kid that I didn't care for. Was the Here's a confession. Bought all the action figures. Loathed the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon. Hated. I did it. not like the cartoon either. But I no, I, I thought it was, I did love the figures. Yeah, I had them all, but I thought the cartoon was absolute crap. I liked it. Yeah, yeah I didn't like the movies either. No, no, no. not when you were weaned on the the uh, Eastman and Laird mm-hmm. stuff, and then you saw the cartoon. It's like, wow, this is really clean. Nah, it's not working. Nah. But, um, is there, I hesitate to ask this question because, yeah. Is there anything better than Robotech? I don't think so. Um, I mean. Tough, man. Well, Jason would probably say mask. Oh, come on. No. (laughs) I know. No, it ain't even close. Um, Robotech even shits on G.I. Joe. Come on. I can't. I can't. I can't. I prefer Transformers to it too. I would say Robotech slams Transformers too. I mean, I'm not prof- I'm not professing any objectivity here, though. I just, as a kid, GI Joe and Transformers were my, were my cartoons. I had to see them. Yeah. So, I'm a protoculture addict. What can I say? Yeah. But I mean, we're talking about comparing a Picasso to a Monet here. I mean, we're these are these are all time <laughs> greats. Have your damn Monet. Oh shit! All right, well if you're gonna if you're gonna be a uh, a Cretan, mm. I'm not <laughs> appreciate great art. That's one thing. I mean, it's, talk I about like living Monet. up to our reputation. I like Monet, but uh, I like Picasso like a zillion times oh, more. I do too, but that's not that's neither here nor there. Yeah, right? that's a zillion with a Z. Man, so what else do you have? Come Dude. on, talk to. I know, I'm not even gonna ask, cause you guys have stopped reading this book on the regular and I don't understand why, but whatever. Um, Bitch Planet number eight. I have stopped reading it on the regular. I like reading it in chunks, so that's why. But yeah. Well, listen, I can't blame you because Bitch, Bitch Planet number seven came out in January, so, so it's, uh, it's been a while. It's been a while. Um, but. Kelly Sue DeConnick, Valentine Delandro. Man, is this book good. I'll tell you what. Uh I <laughs> they dropped uh, opening pages on us in this in this issue that I did not see coming. Now you know how I feel, buddy. What? 
when you bring a book you're all excited about and you get the other guys and you're just like, I think, I don't remember, this is Vince's knife in my back, my bad. What do you mean that's a knife in your back? No, you know, I feel one of the guys, when I oh. talk about something, the other guys are just like, yeah, that's nice. <laughs> well, listen, it happens to all of us, but either way, this book is phenomenal. And as a recap, it is a story about a near future where women are incarcerated on a prison planet. And, um, or in a, I don't know if the planet per se, but in a, in a secure prison facility. And they're imprisoned for all sorts of relatively ridiculous things. Um, and we've been following the escapades of a certain group of women within the prison that have been agitating to compete in a televised competition that is historically all male. And they are putting together a team. Um, and because of the, the spectacle that would be a bunch of prison women fighting in this tournament, the powers that be that control the world are all for full, full go for this project. And we've been introduced and seen backstory for a lot of the characters, uh, to this point. If there is a star in the book, it's a woman named Cam, although there are a lot of very intriguing characters and I, I wouldn't say that she's the star per se. It's an ensemble cast, but, She's probably the main protagonist, at least at this point. And in this book, we meet not only Cam's um, hmm, sister, brother, transgender sibling, but we also meet um, a new character who we didn't know about until this issue, but it's clear from the setup that this is arguably the most important woman housed in the prison and probably has a lot to do with what's likely going to turn into a, some kind of um, revolution book. I mean, I feel like this book is going to evolve into something else, right? It's not just going to stay a prison book um, because of a lot of the themes that are going on here about repression and, and uh, oppression and, uh, uh, and the violation of civil liberties and, and the right to be unique. And so I think that, um, as I've said before when I've talked about this book, I, I am not the biggest fan of Kelly's other works. Um, but I think she's really onto something here. I think Valentine's art is phenomenal. And I really do care about all of these characters. And um, you, to be eight issues in and to still be introducing new characters is a risky thing um, because you run the risk of diluting the constituents and having us not care or remember much about a lot of the people. But that hasn't been the case here so far. And there's a heartbreaking moment in this book um, where um, there's a, a one of one of Cam's uh, team, one of her crew uh, was a, uh, a Japanese woman named Maki, and um, she's no longer with us. That's a, that's a spoiler from a few issues back for those that are really behind. Um, and her father is a phenomenal architect and he has been recruited as part of a team to um, to build this uh, new stadium that will house the competition for uh, this upcoming competition between the women and, and the the men and uh, and so he's been brought to the prison and while he's there he agrees to help build this because he wants to see his daughter he hasn't seen his daughter in a long time and there's a scene in this where because she's dead, they can't show him his daughter, 
So they tell him that she's involved in this ultra, this ultra exclusive rehabilitation project and that she can't be taken away from it. But they have arranged for him to have a moment of a holograph, holographic interaction with her. And they're trying to pull the wool over his eyes where they're projecting a, you know, a, a computer generated hologram that's being controlled by someone other than her, but trying to convince him it's her. And look, I mean, as a parent, it doesn't take much for you to realize when something's amiss with your kids, right? So he doesn't let on, but he realizes during this interview that, that, uh, this holographic interview that this is not his daughter, that something must have happened to his daughter. And, um, let's just say that when you have a guy that is, is the builder of the prison and, and one of the world's best engineers, and he's figured out that you killed his daughter or that she's dead, but you don't know that he's figured it out. That can be a recipe for real problems within a prison, a supermax prison. And, uh, and he, he, he gets his revenge, um, in this issue. So, uh, super intense book. Um, the thing I have to really compliment Kelly Sue about is that, uh, all of the things surrounding this book are hyper feminist and hyper political. Um, but I don't feel as a reader of the book that it is too preachy or too political as a story. If you know what I'm saying, like, right. like the back matter and all the, the, the people around it. And anytime you read an interview, it's very, very hyper political. It's very, very pro feminist. And I think that is the motivation for the book, but I'm enjoying it purely on the surface level. I, I don't, like I and and it's I don't I have not once in the eight issues felt um, politicized or put upon or or felt like I was reading her her rhetoric versus just right story. and that's really that's, I, that's a delicate balance because she yeah. clearly is trying to send a message through this story as well. That's, no, you're right. I, I read the first arc. Mm-hmm. What was that? Five issues, six issues, and I never once got the feeling that she was stepping up on the soapbox. She 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 has her beliefs and and she has a goal with these stories but she wraps it within the narrative instead of getting up and just preaching which is awesome absolutely so yeah yeah it's good stuff i do well since you mentioned image Mm -hmm. i do have an issue an issue with image image? oh oh you really you don't mean an issue of image you mean an issue with with, i have an issue with image I'm i'm with you on this yeah, I, um, when we've got the first, um, I believe we got two so far, uh, issues of Image Plus. I read the first one cover to cover and I thought it was very egregious vanity piece. The whole thing was, aren't we so clever and, and hip and, and trendy and we're trying to change the world through comics and it didn't really click with me. I couldn't care less. But I did read the the um, the Negan piece at the end, which was interesting. But I don't read Walking Dead, so um, I read the second issue. I picked, I cherry picked. Still, the magazine's just not connecting with me. I I think it's ridiculous. It was included free in previews up until August. Now it's being taken out of previews. You don't get it free when you buy the previews. You have to pay for this magazine now. That's all kinds of wackadoo. Not not going to do it. I think it's I think it's an extremely bad decision on Image's part. If you know to just initiate something here, take this for free. Here, take another one for free. Up, you know what? You're going to have to pay for it now. 
for what? The the equivalent of maybe two, three pages of Charlie Adler art? Now, do, do you know if we're going to get the regular image solicits within previews proper then? Oh, that hasn't changed. They've been in Okay, there. cool. Okay. Right. Well, I, you know, oh, have they? Right, well, I guess, yeah, no. I guess because well, I've been reading the magazine, I skip over that part then. Okay. No, uh, they're in there. It's just that the uh, the the image plus is a select. They'll spotlight, interviews, you know, interviews. interviews and spotlight things and and blah blah blah. Um, you can get the image if you still want to to keep receiving the the image plus with issue number four. Um, you will save twenty five percent at dcbservice.com. You can get it for a dollar forty nine. That's a dollar forty eight too much, mm-hmm. as far as I'm right. concerned. Yeah, and I, I'm glad we actually agree on this. Oh yeah. Oh, I, absolutely. I, I don't. Uh, I've got nothing. I'm with you. I, I. You no. You said it perfectly. I, I'm. I haven't been all that enamored with the magazine outside of the few pages about Nagin, which have been cool. But I absolutely can do without them for a buck fifty. I don't. Yeah. So. Yeah. And you know they're eventually going to collect them anyway. So if you want to read it, you just have to wait a year and just get the trade. But silliness. I I, I think it's it's uh it's not good business to to offer something for essentially free and then take it away. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. I'm when it's basically advertising anyway. Yeah, well, that's exactly what it is, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, well, that's kind of shade. Kind of a downer. Yeah. But let's. David's going to pick us up with him talking about a book that he loves. Um, you know, I I. I don't know about picking you all up because of the subject matter, though it was, um. Chief <laughs> <Jeez>, Pun Home. <laughs> <laughs> nice little, nice little throwback to last week. So, um. That's said it. Huh? I know that's Twice. why you said it. It's cute. It's all like, you know, synchronicity and shit. So, uh, this was a, I noticed there was a, um, in the Dynamite Solicits, there was a book by um, the first issue of, of, of a new of a sequel to a series written by um, Garth in his couple of years ago, and uh, I wasn't aware of of this book originally, so I decided to to track it down, and I did, and I'm glad I did because I um, I pretty much powered through it over the past couple of days. Uh, this is Red Team, published by Dynamite, uh, written by Garth, art by Craig Cermak, and it is about four New York City detectives uh, who decide to... Um, they're going to play Executioner, uh but they have some rules and it's, it's four of them. So it's, it's Eddie Mellinger. It's, um, Trudy, I believe review. And, um, there's, a uh, um, Duke and George were kind of the, um, they're the, uh, they're the oldest ones on the team. They're, um, it's, uh, it's, um it's Duke's outfit. He's 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 the he's the group's CEO. Uh Eddie's the 
the youngest one and, and appearances make him look like he'd also be the, the weakest. Whereas Trudy, the only woman on the team, she may be overcompensating because she has more to prove. It's still, um, you know, she's still a woman in, in a man's profession, more or less. Uh, but they, they end up taking out a, a drug dealer who's not there with their rules. It is, it's, it's the lowest of the low. Like life would no doubt be 1000% better with this person no longer alive. And, um, they, they don't just go on a killing spree. They discuss it. They, you know, they, nothing personal. So, you know, no, no vendettas about anybody, you know, you may have grown up with who, who's now slinging rocks on the corner. And that's the thing. It, it can't be no penny ante shit. It can't be some dude who just, you know, who beat his wife once and, and now he's, you know, out on bail and th- it, it needs to be some serious shit. So, um, they pretty much make a pack. They, they, uh, they cover their tracks. Everything is going really really well they they uh this this is it's it's like five six issues i think the first series was maybe even longer than that it it, it's it goes on for um the covers are actually by by shaken but the it it would probably make a pretty funky um Limited series on TV. I think it would need to be a, a series more than, than a movie. Um, looks like seven issues. There, there, there are seven chapters in, oh. in, in the, in the collection I'm reading. Um, the art is absolutely fantastic. It's, some of it is in that, uh, because it's written by Garth, some of the art is, is in that Derek Robertson, Russ Braun vein, but more, um, I don't want to say clean, more, not as cartoony, not, you you don't have, you know, some, some big busted, big butt, um, Polynesian princess that, that enemy ace is, you know, trying to bang it. It's just, it's, it's, I'm sorry, Phantom Eagle. There's just, um, it's, it's more based in reality. Everybody's just, and it's, it's not like it's action packed here. There are bullets flying. Uh, there is some action when, our guys, if you want to call them good guys, go up against a, another faction and, and there's some shit that goes down in the, um, in the bathroom of a nightclub that, that Trudy's involved in. But it's, um, it, the art is very fitting for the story. It's, it's not a, it's not a feel good story. It's not, and, and it's, it, it's pretty in the sense that Sir Max art is, really easy on the eyes um but it is a uh it's it's a gritty story it's it's dark in places they you don't get caught up really in a lot of the uh there really aren't any side characters you don't aside from eddie's um eddie's wife who they they've been trying to get pregnant they've been trying to have start a family um 
she hasn't had any luck. There's been one or two miscarriages. The last one was the, the, the most recent one was, was stillborn and she pretty much almost carried that term. So she's kind of let herself go. She's just, she's pretty much done with life. Um, because Eddie and Trudy are partners, there's, there's a little bit of, uh, are they doing it or is anything going on? Um, Eddie, while drunk, did try to make a move months and, and, and Trudy squashed that shit. But, um, they, the story is told in, um, in a flashback because Eddie is, is being, the, the detectives are being interrogated at, as, as far as you see what everything's leading up to. Uh, and something should have pretty much hit me over the head. It, it was pretty obvious by the second issue, but I didn't see it until it actually happened in like the sixth, just because I was so, so into it. And even though I'm not a huge fan of flashback stories, Garth had me just going along with it and it, it, it really works. So, I mean, I, basically I'm going to check out the, the first issue of, of the new red team series. I don't know where it's, um, I didn't read the solicit. Um, so I don't know if it's going to pick up right after this or if, um, who else may be involved there when, when things come to a head, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty crazy, but nothing, nothing seems like it would be out of, out of the norm. I, I, I haven't shown this to a, to a cop, so I don't know if they'd be like, yeah, that would never happen because you can't do this, this, or this. It, it, it Garth seems to have done some research and, and, you know, they, they, check things. Well, they don't check things, obviously. They, there, there are some, uh, some things that they kept to themselves that weren't inventoried into evidence and, and which is how they're able to, you know, they don't use, you never use your own, you don't use your service weapon, um, when they're going out to, to handle their shit. Nothing can ever, um, point back to you. The rules are, are, are really, that, that's kind of what, got me really into this because otherwise you're just, you're the punisher. But, mm-hmm. uh, when, um, when they decided on, on their rules and that's when they really kind of go into it in the, um, in the second issue after they take out the first guy, um, the rules are shake. It's carpets are pretty hot. The rules. Let's see. Um, they absolute certainty. So no, no, if, if there's any, any doubt, anything that, you know, you're, you're doing this for the wrong reasons, um, you're out. Uh, they have to think like cops. Never make it personal. Um, no speeches. In and out. If, if you're going to take somebody out, just fucking do it. You're, you're not there to, you know, you're not going to tell them I am the knight or you're a cowardly and superstar. Just fucking do it. Just, just end the dude. Move on. Um, they can't be cops, so we can't go after someone only cops know about or only cops have evidence on. We've got to be real careful about the kind of intel we use so nothing can really um, point back to them. Uh, they basically have to just be really, really evil. And it just, it, it works. And it's not, the, the whole, the series isn't just about them taking out criminals or, or really evil individuals. Um, you don't 
you, you get a sense of, you know, who's, who, who they have taken out, but then it kind of, and they never, nobody ever leaves a showcasing behind or, or, or a ski mask. It, it's not like they get caught. Uh, there are little things that, you know, the way Garth writes the story and, and Sir Mac is drawing it, you, you pick up on little things and, uh, something does come back because it, it can't all be that smooth. Something does come back to bite him in the ass and, um, it just, it was really well done completely by surprise. I did not know it, it, it's a couple years old. I had no idea about it. Um, so I'm definitely glad I checked it out. It, it it's by dynamite and I, I this is after Garth had finished up with the boys. So he was, uh, he was still doing a couple things for, for dynamite, but this was, um, this was really, really good. I really enjoyed this. Cool. That's awesome. Dynamite's on another downturn with me. Because, uh, save, save, save for one book. There, there was one, I read three, um, miniseries. Mm-hmm. This this past weekend, uh, the, this goal key alliance thing that Phil Hester's writing did not click. No, no, and 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 I read issues one, two, and I believe I I read three, just didn't click. Um, Lords of the Jungle, nah, son. <laughs> but but uh, but but the only one that did, and it 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 really hit hard. Are you guys reading King's Quest? Come on, dude. No. Yeah, well, I, I should, I, you know, I wanted to include you, but I know that you're not reading. Um, the cover, I got the Mark Lehman cover, and it is superb, but I think that's redundant when you put Mark Lemming and superb in the same sentence. We know. It's just an amazing cover. Um, it, this is written by, uh, Ben Acker and Heath Corson, but the art is by Dan McDade. It's phenomenal. It, it's it's just amazing. You have Flash Gordon, Mandrake, Prince Valiant, the Phantom, Phantomette. It's it's a Phantom Junior. Um, Jungle Jim's in here. They go to uh, Arborea to rescue Dale Arden. But um, long story short, uh, the first issue. I'm going to spoil it to get you to read it because it's a cool twist. Um, Flash is like. Yes, 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 we're, we're, we're here to, to rescue Dale Arden. And, um, uh, I believe it's, um, Prince Baron goes, uh, I think there's something you should know. And the last page, Dale has, uh, snuggled up to, uh, Ming and she's like his squeeze. Oh no. And yeah, it's awesome. Uh, so she's the empress. Mm. Of, uh, no, no, like, no, it's just, no, the art's fantastic. Well, I'm not saying it's, the art isn't, but I don't like that, that idea of Dale being his, 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 yeah. His, well, it's gotta, it's gotta be a ruse. Come on. I hope so. Yeah. But th- this is, um, I mean, I read all the, the King Dynamite stuff and some were hits, some were misses. This is just phenomenal. Well, the art's incredible. You need to see it. Speaking of publishers that are on the downswing. Okay. ID dubs. Mm, really? Me too. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Aside from a couple of the Star Trek books, I think you're right. Micronauts was just. Yeah, it was a whiff. And, and I love I Cullen. Mean, it's, just, it hurts me to say that. Yeah. I mean, listen, I'm uh, right. We're all Cullen Bunn fans. I, I'm not putting it on him, but I, I, I don't know. It just, it, 
let's be honest. I mean, we're friends of, of Colin. We've, 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 we've broken bread with him. We've hung around him. Micronauts number one, it just didn't work. No, it did. Nope. It really didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, just no, none, none of the adventure, none of the, none of the swashbuckling, none of the, Gravitas, I mean, just not, none of what made the original series so awesome. I just, uh, but did you read the second issue too? Yeah. And they try and go back to the well. Yeah. yeah. And it just, it, it doesn't work. I don't know what it is. I, I have seen Image had a Micronaut series, right? Didn't Devils do have one? Um, at one time. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Not the only Micronaut series that works are the ones at Marvel. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Bill Mantlo is what it is. Yep. Yeah. You're right. Could be. And Rom was was a, was a wreck. Rom, Rom was a mess. I didn't, after that free comic book, they didn't even bother. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you on that. And that's so. a bummer because we're all stoked to have Rom back finally, and it just just didn't click. Yeah. But I, I, I guess I, Mighty Ducks got the Dire Wraiths too. Yeah. I don't know how that worked out. Yeah, some, I think they made an agreement with Marvel, some kind of co-share. But oh. um, I will say, IDW has two opportunities in the coming months to redeem themselves with me. What is that? What are they? Oh, well, the first is mask, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Why it's dead at the premise, dude. My dude. <laughs> I know not what you speak of. <laughs> oh, it's so easy. Wait, what? The premise. Mask is, it's My no longer striking me with a K. I won't, I won't hear it. I won't hear it. It's junk. It's, it's like G.I. Joe Light. Oh! You're just trying to spit it's in my down. Right now, you're trying to spit in my mouth. <laughs> No, I'm giving you. Sean Pryor, are you hearing this? I'm just. Sean and I are going to gaffle you when we see you next. That's okay. You do it out of love. Anyway, I'm I'm looking forward to that very much. Although, to be fair, given what we've seen of Rom and Micronauts, I have very very measured expectations. But the news today, while not for me, is absolutely exciting for um my offspring. And, <laughs> yeah, you know, because, I mean, my youngest child is, uh, a humongous fan of, um, oh, it's a dynamite book, isn't it? What's that? Is oh, it? It is. It is. It oh, is. We're getting back to dynamite, Vince. Yeah. Well, Bob's Burgers? No, dynamite about? has a Jesus chance to redeem. Christ. I'm sorry. I thought it was the IDW book because, um, because the artists involved are are like IDW artists for Pony, but anyway, sorry, um, I, I, I was I was wrong to go on the IDW rant because I'm I'm getting back to Dynamite here. Per Vince, they announced today that um, they're going to make a comic about Boo, the world's cutest dog. What the hell? Now you might be saying, "Who the hell is Boo?" Well, Boo is I, that's exactly what I'm saying. Totes adorbs, little furry Pomeranian puppy, a real puppy. Yep. But it's become a thing like Grumpy Cat where there are stuffed versions of Boo um, that are massive sellers, stuffed animals. So there's, you know, Super Superman Boo, Cowboy Boo, Army Man Boo. Oh. Did Tony do a cover? Tony Fleeks did yeah, a cover? I shared it with you guys today. You're right, the one that David shared today. Oh, okay, okay. But That's what I, I said. I not explain to you the level of adoration and love my son, <laughs> my, my, my youngest son, who's seven has for Boo, the puppy. He's got like 20 of these stuffed animals. So wow. when I told him tonight the news they were making a comic, he feigned passing out, came <laughs> to, and said to me, Dad, I never thought I'd see the day. 
<laughs> in all of my seven years, I'm like, never. You are awesome, buddy. He's like, are we going to get this? I'm like, are we going to get it? I'm like, I've already talked to Tony about buying the cover for you. Are you kidding me? Come on, this is on. So, so you're super dead. So this is going to be good. I hope. I hope it's. I hope it's as, as successful as a as a thing as uh, you know ponies or something. So it stays around for a while for my kid. Ah, that's nice. Boo. Plus, it's named Boo, so Dan Dapp and I can read and talk to Dave Boo another twenty times uh, a week and make convincing Yeah, I, gee, I never saw that coming. <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> See, maybe, maybe swear. But there is one sure thing at Dynamite, and I think that's Matt Wagner. True. With with the shadow, I think that's a guarantee. Yeah. Uh, I wish I could say I, I agree with you, but it's not because I don't. Not because you're wrong. It's because I, as you know, I'm not reading the shadow, so I don't. You got to embrace the shadow. I just got done saying I have 15 years of comics I genuinely want to read that I already own sitting in my house. Yeah, you can put that on pause to embrace the shadow. Yeah, yeah good, but you know, oh lord, Listen, every flashed back into 1938. Yeah, every month I go through the, the previews and I see those pulp reprints in the magazine section that they have um the shadow and doc savage and uh the spider and i want to order every one of them every month but i don't because they're like 15 bucks i mean after discount they're 11 or something but still to add that much onto my order times three it's just it, it's i can't do it but i want to because i love those pulp books you do that you do my friend yeah I think it's our ages. When I was a a, a teen or, or a, a tween, Doc Savage was everywhere, and The Shadow. I mean, you just you couldn't go to the the bookstore without seeing a a, a wall. But you can say you can go to the talkies without. Uh... Yeah, yeah, for our nickel, and then we have enough to get ice cream after. You got some red hots at the theater, and then. Oh, God. Seriously. Do you remember your first talk event? <laughs> was it, was it Groucho Marx? Was it? Oh, fuck. Uh, do you like the Marx Brothers? No. I appreciate really. them. I love them. It's uh, just I got a box that you could probably I studied have. them in a class at Penn called Visual Communications. Yeah? As part of a little segment. And, uh, yeah, I appreciate them for what they were. I mean, I think Groucho was a genius. Well, no, I, I think that's indisputable, right? Yeah. I don't think that's... Mm-hmm. Um, I've also yeah. never really been a huge Three Stooges fan either. Oh, my boo. I was just about to say the same thing. I can't stand the Three Stooges. Stop. Oh, it's Stan. Stop. I'm not here. I'm taking this part out of the thing. Oh, it's Stan. Censorship. You've heard it here. Yeah, oh God, I'm are you a Republican just... congressman right now? Oh, no. <laughs> You don't like the Three Stooges. Not it's one just, bit. My stepfather used to watch them all the time because he just adored them, and they were on reruns. It seemed like it seemed like it used to be that you could find the Three Stooges on TV every with kids every, anytime you wanted. And I just found the whole idea insufferable. I I didn't understand why why it was funny, why these guys were funny. They were strange and ugly, and like it was so. It was just the whole thing. I, I just that what was it that remake that came out a few years ago? I mean, oh, I. You, like, Oh yeah, Will Sasso is ridiculous. You, you literally couldn't have you couldn't have <laughs> you couldn't have paid me enough to watch that movie. Like there's like it's just it's all right. Here's one more question, and I, I will leave 
and the irreconcilable differences. I will close that door, shut this bitch down, and I never. Off, holy shit. Oh no! Little rascals, pick your answer very carefully. Little rascals, the original little rascals. I just don't Alpha. know. It. I just don't know it. Okay, I'll give you that, David. No, I I, I used to watch it. All right, but do you like them? Yes. All yeah. right. Yes, of, Those of the three, I will watch The Little Rascals anytime over. See, I, I, I appreciate Groucho. I, it's just the whole, the brothers and as together. I, I just, I, I never got the movies. You guys know this already, but for the edification of our audience, I, I, I have a real issue with black and white stuff. You do. You really do. It I really do. I just don't. It hurts my heart a lot. I just don't like it. You would absolutely adore the first three Thin Man movies and, and the fact that they're black and white, it, it, it kills me that. <laughs> That's already a, an obstacle, but best thing that okay. ever happened to me was Ted Turner. Oh fuck! The Rascals could go to the moon and back with nothing more than a piece of cardboard, um, some misspelled words, and a fucking vaudeville show. They were awesome. They would always have a show in the backyard, somebody's backyard, for whatever reason. Damn, I know there's the whole buckwheat thing. I'm sorry, I cannot change the period in which these things were made. But I think Little Rascals are just, um, they're awesome. I can watch those things over and over and over and over and over again. That's cool. I'm a member of the He-Man Woman Haters there Club. There you go. I thought you were going to drop a uh, Honeymooners on us. No, you already know I love that show. <laughs> no, I know, we but would you never... were never in the leave if we didn't. Right? No, I, I know, yeah, you, you tolerate it. I'm not saying you guys love it, but, you know, Little Rascals, that's some special stuff. Well, I'll tell you, I'd much prefer watching reruns of the Honeymooners to uh, I Love Lucy. Yes, agreed. Stop. Agreed. agreed. You keep your shitting all over everything I love. Wait, you love I Love Lucy? One of the world's most beautiful women. Oh, ever. yes, absolutely. So, no, Wait, no, what? she is. No. Bonafide. Oh, my God. No, back in the day? Fuck. No, dude. What? I, no, absolutely. Oh, my God, dude. What? Ball was exquisite. Oh, Are you kidding me? Oh, my God, you're killing me. Oh my god, I got it. Let's just go talk about the comics, please. Oh my god, what's going on right no. here? Seriously, do not like you no more. Oh, <laughs> uh, absence makes the heart grow fonder. I got one more. Well, actually, I have more, but I'm just going to do this real quick. Okay. Jason, did you get Cinema Purgatorio from Avatar? No. Alan Moore, Kevin O'Neill, you didn't get it? No. Easily, the most beautiful Avatar book ever. Now, I know to some people that may not be saying much. <laughs> but but the art on this, Kevin O'Neill, uh, Rallo Caceres, my man, Ignacio Calero, um, Michael DePascal, Gabriel Andrade, and um, that's it. Mm-hmm. But th- uh it's a, it's an anthology, which is um, why I'm stunned you didn't get it. It's a horror anthology, actually, under the guys that the Kevin O'Neill and and Alan Moore do the um, initial chapter, right. and it, it's it's all done under the auspices that okay, we're ushering you into this theater. It just so happens to be called Cinema Purgatorio, mm-hmm. and um, you know you take your ticket, you sit down, and what you're going to see is um, something that's very skewed. Like, it starts off with a Keystone Cops kind of um, 
pastiche with Fatty Arbuckle in it, and you know they're all running around like assholes and uh, getting into the 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 patrol car, and they're all hanging off. You know, it's, it's, it's typical Keystone cops, but they run over people. Uh, their their people are senselessly murdered. Like they try and save this woman, and somebody gets shot in the face. Uh, so it's very dark. Like Fatty Arbuckle, I believe he gets his eye blown out, and he's killed, and there's bloodshed everywhere. And you know, when when you're talking this period in in cinema history, they didn't show this kind of violence on the screen. So the the cops are extremely corrupt, and um, the fade out. You know, typical Alan Moore. It's like after the fade out, you see the 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 countdown to the next feature mm-hmm. with the you know the the, the spinning um, like radar with the number in the middle of it, and it goes into the next chapter, which is Garth Ennis. So you have two of comics' greatest writers on this book, Garth Ennis and Rella Caceres do Code Prue, and Prue Prudence Prue for short. She's an EMT worker, but her clients, uh, I didn't read Code Prue 1 and 2. I did, they did offer them both the first and second issue at a special discount, um, because I guess they tie into this and they were solicited and published before this issue. So now I guess that's no more and now you're gonna be able to Code Prue within this cinema purgatorial. So she's an EMT and her clients are supernatural creatures and so you get this this person that had set themselves on fire in the beginning of the story and and they put him out and he doesn't die like they put a blanket on him he doesn't die so they take him into the the ambulance and he's all burned and his hair's like almost all gone his skin is a mess he he looks like a walking pizza and and they're talking they're, they're working on him and Prudence leans over and, and gets something behind him and, and this, this character opens its mouth and it's a vampire and Prue is not very sharp she doesn't pick up on this like the fact that this person just walked out into the broad daylight and 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 you know was immediately engulfed in flames and um, tries to like she has no idea that he's biting her neck she's not all that swift is what I'm getting from this first chapter. Um, but it's Rallo Caceres, so it's the illustration is fantastic. But the best and to top Alan Moore, that's tough, mm. right? And and um, Ennis, Kieran Gillen writes a chapter called Modded with art by Ignacio Calero. Oh my God, you need to see this stuff. It's basically Pokemon. Give or take, um, there's these characters that walk around with familiars. Um, I'm, I'm guessing they're magic users. And there's a character called Tommy Zero, who's uh, a, a demonatrix, and he's got this gigantic. Uh, well, you don't see it initially. He challenges this, this, this one person to a duel, and and she has. A, it's basically a dog, kind of dog-ish character maybe a dog and a and um it's part feline part canine but it's it's cute and it's not very threatening mm-hmm. and he knows he's going to take it cuz if he takes if he if if his familiar beats her familiar i guess that he keeps the 
the familiar okay. of, the op- of the opponent. So it's basically Pokemon, right? Yeah. And um, they 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 fire up, and, and a, a pentagram, a flaming pentagram, burns into the, the the ground, and he summons Leviathan. And this thing is incredibly huge and disgusting and ripped, and it's got chains and and a skull face with fangs and horns and spikes and biomechanical. And the illustration's impeccable. And and uh the other uh the opponent's familiar is called Fumble Buffle. So there you go. Leviathan versus Fumble Buffle. Who the hell's gonna win? And um so uh this this Tommy character, uh Tommy Zero wins, takes Fumble Buffle, and at the end of it, someone called Bloody Susan shows up with her familiar on a chain, it's equally disgusting, called Mr. Boom, and she pledges to um to get the little girls familiar back but you need to see this illustration it is amazing that's all it's all black all black and white and um it would not be out of place in um a really good issue of 2000 AD and you know truth be told this whole issue feels like a a, a 2000 AD special um, there's uh, a story at the end, uh, or a serial at the end, by Christos Gage and Gabriel Andrade, Andrade called The Vast, where um, it's very slight, maybe eight pages, maybe less. Uh, no, it's about six pages. Uh, it's actually one, two, it's six pages, where um, it's a squad of fighter pilots that are trained to fight kaiju. And they're looking for something called the, uh, the apex. And this gigantic crab creature comes ashore and just destroys the city, just ravages it. But it's not the apex. The apex is bigger. And when you see the apex, you're just like, holy shit, this thing is colossal. It's so big that there are other kaiju like crawling all over really? its skin. Yeah, it's amazing. It's really good. I was stunned how good this Cinema Purgatorio issue number one was. It's prestige format. Goes for, um, I believe, five ninety nine. Yeah, five ninety nine. Uh, some of comics' greatest writers and a host of really good illustrators. Kevin O'Neill, not the least of which. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna push it. I, I had a really great time with this issue. Nice. I think it, there was one. I'm not a big role or a Civil War fan. There's a, an alternate history uh, of the Civil War by Max Brooks and Michael DePascal called "More Perfect Union." It was a, a dull thud. Oh yeah. Yeah, but it was only like I said, it's only like eight, six or eight pages. So it wasn't the nowhere near the majority of the issue. But maybe I'll grow to love it. But the majority of Cinema Purgatorio is amazing. Well done, Avatar. All right, you talked to me, but I'll try. No, I think you should. Okay. So I got something I think you guys are going to vibe on real quick. Um, do you remember Dove Torben a couple of years back started a blog? He's part of the Activate crew with Dean Haspiel. He started mm-hmm. a blog, uh, I think back in 2013, called 10 Rules for Drawing Comics. Yeah. And then it just went away. Like, he stopped doing it. You know, like, just faded, whatever. Um, so, he's got... Um, he's... <laughs> She's so hot. She talked to me like that. I thought she was talking to you. 
No, that's Jason's wife. I know. Oh, she won't talk to me. Where'd he go? <laughs> he ended up mute. <laughs> he was getting his ass chewed out. What <laughs> he was. No, I, I was not getting my ass chewed out. I was getting spoken. I was, my wife just got home. She was trying to tell me something. But, um, she just broke up a high school graduation party, apparently. Third. Um, anyway, uh, so, so Dove Torben, he, he, like, I thought the blog was cool, but it went away, as, as many of these things do. And I'd completely forgotten about it. But then, um, was totally vibing on Matt Kent's new Department Age book. Yes. Yes. And, yes. And so, like you guys, I am a fan of the Department Age Facebook page. And recently, he posted a link to that, um, where he contributed to, uh, to 10 rules. And I thought, well, that's interesting because I thought that was dead. And it looks as though, um, it quietly came back this year. So, um, with the latest contribution being Matt Kint's 10 rules for, for drawing comics. And, uh, I think Matt is a consummate comic book creator. He puts mm-hmm. so much thought and effort into every facet of his comics from, Layout to color scheme to pacing to structure to the packaging. Preach. You know, he's just a, he's, yep. he, he, he's a self, anyone that's ever talked to him, he admits he's a, a control freak and I think it serves him well. So I, I just thought it'd be great to, to talk about his 10 rules. Um, awesome. Rule number one, know, uh, write what you know. Fairly self-explanatory there. Uh, number two, constantly be learning new things. This way you can write about more than you know right now. Listen to people. Ask questions. My best conversations I've ever had were with a friend that would constantly ask me questions. Nothing was off limits. As a result, he's the data bank of the most interesting stories of any living person I know. Number three, stop trying to perfect it. And I think that's a very poignant one for him because, again, I think you know Matt's work is... is Polarizing. It's, 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 it's glorious, but it's not polished right it's it's no he 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 draws what he needs to draw to tell the story yep. and uh i love that about him as i know you guys do but but i think some probably don't right they prefer a more polished look so you know he says remember it won't be perfect you'll be able to draw or write it even better 10 minutes from now tomorrow a year from now forever but uh, what you create in this moment is just an artifact of who you were at that moment in time don't hate your old work because it's bad Love it as proof that you're improving. You're better now than you were then. That's pretty awesome. Again, I'm not a creator, but I would presume that that resonates with me as an art lover. So I think that's pretty neat. Wabi sabi. There you go. Um, Number four, inking. If it even crosses your mind that a page or panel needs a darker or bigger shadow or more black spotted, it does. Don't be lazy. Um, Number five, don't describe your story idea to someone. Let the finished story tell it. Number six, movement and production. The two words my printmaking instructor Leon Hicks at Webster University said over and over again, keep making work. It's how Jack Kirby made his career. Ideas and art spawn more ideas and art. True. Number seven, get an honest critique. Find one person in your life that will give you the honest, hard truth about everything you do. True, honest feedback is gold. Number eight, be honest with Mm -hmm. yourself. Look at your own work critically. Don't be down on yourself. Stay optimistic, but try to recognize your own weaknesses so you can address them. If you hate drawing hands, there's probably a reason. Spend an entire sketchbook. Um, number nine, amazing art can't fix a bad story. 
but a good story can fix mediocre art. And number 10, read, research, and refine. Read everything. Only good comes from reading comics and books. Constantly be studying the process of other artists, writers, directors, everyone. Always be looking at your process for ways to refine things. Adopt advice and try it out. Take some and leave some. I thought that was great. I really did think that was pretty neat. So, what y'all? I do, I do too. I would add one to that list. And oh, it's, it's something that, I mean, it's not. yeah, it's something that I don't do mm-hmm. and I should. You know me, I'm, I, he covered it partly with the, with the, the ask questions and, and talk to people, but I think leaving the house and socializing and meeting new people and just experiencing things mm-hmm. makes a better, a more well-rounded, knowledgeable, experienced, interesting creator. Like if, if you're one of these guys that do nothing but plunk away at the keyboard, don't leave the house, um, you, your stories and your, even your art is going to suffer after a while. Yeah. I mean, if you're whatever side you're on, you, you need to experience the world. Right. You need to go places and see things and get hurt and get sick and get better and, and, and love people and hate people. You need all this stuff to, to be a great, a great artist. Um, a good artist, mm-hmm. not even a great one. Screw that. Uh, and, and it's something that I have only learned that in the past like three years. The um the other thing that's cool about this is that uh you know each creator's top ten is so different in the way they approach it. I mean just the, it just shows you how every creator has a different process and different things they value. Like Ben Mara did ten um a couple weeks ago. Genius. And when we first talked about Ben Mara, I forget what that book was. It was that hip hop book. Gangster rap gangster gangster rap podcast. Right. If we went back and listened to that episode, um you ridiculed me. No, well, I wasn't the only one for the record. Mm. Um, uh, we, no, the debate we had, Vince, as you joking aside, was whether Mara was self-aware, was, whether he was doing what he was doing on purpose. Yes. Or whether he was just not a very talented artist who was making indie comics. And you were vehement that it was self-aware. Mm-hmm. Neesman was vehement that he just was a bad artist. If I if I'm remembering correctly, I think Dap and I were in the middle. Although I leaned more towards, I don't think he's a very good artist. Yeah. Um, we've since gotten to know Ben a little bit, and he's actually he's in our queue for having him on the show. And Dap and I have gotten to chat him up at uh, the last few Heroes Cons. He, he actually listens to the show. So I've come years ago. I came around to your line of thinking that it's all by design, and mm-hmm. which case then I do think his work is massively more provocative if you have that mindset, then if you just take it for the surface level. So, uh, Mara's top 10, I think speak to that. Uh, his number one, draw things you have a deep emotional connection to and make you want to draw. And what fascinates me about that being his number one is that again, this is a guy that does gangster rap posse. Like it's like, I mean, like, (laughs) I'm quite sure like where, where his emotional connection is to that. But, but, but suffice to say, if he made it as number one, he must feel there is a connection there. Number two, emotional accuracy is more important than emulating reality. I know that's music to your ears, Vince. Yes. Realism is overrated, and reality is an illusion anyway. Just make a good drawing. Yep. Number three, balance, light, and shadow. 
Now, that's a very interesting, purely technical piece of advice, which, again, I think if you look at Ben's work on the surface, you might not think of him as a technician. And yet he's giving you a very technical um, piece of advice. Uh, number four, don't create walls. You'll only run into them later. Avoid puritanism of materials, tools, techniques, methods, and approaches. Don't be a perfectionist. Yep. yep. <laughs> I knew you would buy with Mara. Uh, number five, when you feel like you hate how a drawing is turning out, that's when it's the most important to keep going. <laughs> He's yeah. so right. Yeah. Don't be, don't be too harsh a judge, but don't believe the drawing is any good either. You can never plan to create a masterpiece. You want to be right in the middle in the zone. Six, you can only progress if you finish things. Reflecting on finished work, seeing what was successful and what didn't work, you can learn what to keep or change moving forward. So that's, he and Kent are basically making that same point, right? Which is that you gotta, you gotta say when. It's never gonna be perfect, just at some point you have to finish it. Uh, number seven, style comes from what you do unconsciously. Embrace your deficiencies instead of hiding them. The struggle to draw something is more interesting than casual success in facility. Uh, number eight, strive for the best you can do, except what the best drawing is when you fall short. At a certain point, the drawing becomes its own thing beyond your control. Let it be what it will be. Uh, nine, you got to know the rules before you can break the rules. Mm-hmm. And then number ten, there are no rules. So... Uh, <laughs> 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 But this is a really great blog. Like I said, it's, uh, it's, the, the blog is, uh, 10 rules for drawing comics.com. It's the number 10. So one zero rules, uh, rules for drawing comics.com. And it's great to have it back. And, um, they, he's had some awesome people. He's had, um, Alex Toth, uh, Dean Haspiel. He's had, uh, Jeffrey Brown, Johnny Ryan, Larry Hama, Michael DeForge, Mike Allred, um, Xander Cannon. Yikes. Uh, so it's Lots. it's pretty cool, man. Like it's 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 a lot of fun. Whether you're a creator yourself or you just appreciate the craft, um, I, it's it's I think it's fascinating to get into the mind of these creators and how they think about the world. So yeah, I love it when you when uh, I encounter someone that is phenomenally talented that really doesn't take themselves all that seriously. Yeah. That's the best to me. You you probably won't be. I, I the one I was most intrigued by was Larry Hama's list, because you know he's 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 an old school dude, and I wouldn't say like I don't think Larry Hama would be at the top of anybody's list when they talk about like the consummate, uh, like comic book tactician or cartoonist. Or yeah, he's certainly capable though. No, right. But, but so it's interesting yeah. like that his perspective is, his advice is, is very much about uh, like his number one is don't just have people standing there and God's bless that. I feel like Bendis actually orders his artists to make people just stand there sometimes. Yeah, it's true. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a pretty dope thing, man. You guys should peep it. It's nice to have it back. I will do that. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Ben Mara. I'd go gay for him. Well, but if you he come to Heroes some... with us next year, you will have a chance to make it. <laughs> but he is, he's one dude where that, that which is why, where, it, I, I would disagree with Chris about, you know, just not, but you need to, and I've said this because it's it just, it's one of those things where we'll see people, even whether it's it's on the forum or the Facebook group page, just anywhere, and they'll make comments about an artist 
that they don't like. I, they don't particularly care for the way the artist draws or thinks that artist draws poorly. And then if you show them other work they've done, like if you, all right, so burn talking shit about Gene Colin last week and, and whatever shortcuts Gene wants to make. But Gene, we, we've already seen Colin knows the rules. Gene knows what to, knows how to manipulate it. He's, he can draw realistically if he wants to, but he knows what he can get away with. He knows the rules to break. And that's, I, I, that is, that should automatically be every artist's one rule somewhere on that, on that top 10, on their 10 list. But I also agree with Mara too. There really aren't. No, there aren't. There aren't. But Mara also, but that, but number nine was no rules to break them. And then he said there are no rules, but it's yes, there, there are no rules when you're drawing, but if, the, what I'm just trying to say is that it's a sticky wicket, isn't it? You're trying to find the words to, I mean, I, I totally agree. It's tough yeah. to, to, to verbalize. I mean, you, know, you want to talk yeah. about, you know, Kirby doing shortcuts or Gil Kane, you know, with, with, with you know, rubbery arms flying through the, you know, did, right. Yeah. Hands are flying at you. It's like, yeah, but he's, he knows what he's doing. So it, it's not like he's just drawing loops. You know, he's not drawing noodles and then, you know, hoping it makes a picture. He's, he's fooling your eyes and, and that's, that's the whole, but he's, there's, he's, He's established a presence, so go ahead. Yeah. No, isn't it weird that certain things over a period of time become accepted? Like, Kirby was the anomaly. Jack drew like no one else. And it was strange, not with Simon, but when it was Kirby and anyone other than Simon, it became this thing where initially it was jarring and, and odd and then the the practice at Marvel, which we've heard many, many, many times from a ton of different sources, was draw like Kirby. Do it like Jack. Yeah. So it became this thing that was strange at first, but over a period of time, it became accepted. Like, if 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 someone told Gary Panther, what if, you know, a young Gary Panther went to get a critique and, and he showed, uh, you know, pages from Jimbo and it's like, this is a mess. I can't even tell what the hell is going on here. It's just so strange. And this is not how it's done. Who friggin' cares how it's done? Nope. You shouldn't care how it's... The, the accepted practices should not even be a factor. Just do it the way you want to do it. Mm-hmm. Keep doing it the way you want to do it. And over a period of time, you know, you may starve in the process, but eventually you'll get accepted. Um, if that's what you want, I mean, if you don't, if you just want to express yourself the way you see fit, then even better. But to tell guys like Panther and and look at Richard Corbin, that wasn't how it was done. It was so strange, it, and and yet you look back and or we look back. I look back. I'll be all right. I look back and Richard Corbin is like one of the greatest comic artists ever, but does not take the same approach as the majority. Right. You know, break away from the pack. The, the the tall guy sticks out, right? The 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 the, the you, know, you need to get noticed. If you do it like everybody else, if you're a Jim Apero, who is fantastic, I agree. But 
very controlled and very tasteful and very much in the zone of how comics were done at that time. Mm-hmm. You, you know, do it your own way. Why not? What do we have to lose? Agreed. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> what else do we have? Um, I mean, there's always more stuff, dude. I got more stuff here. Uh, you guys been reading any of them what ifs? Not yet, but I, why don't you single out a few that you would like to read and then we will come back next week Uh, having read. Alright, I mean, I mean, that's tough because, uh, you know, I don't feel like I'm gonna, you know, you gotta read it and then decide if it's like... No, you don't. That's the joy in it. You just pick like three or four, just pick three and we'll read them and then we'll, you know, we'll just tell the truth. If they weren't all that great, hey, the the entire run runs. What were there three different incarnations? Yeah, of, well, uh, yeah. I mean, I was just talking about this uh, this run from the from the nineties. That uh, yeah, so, yeah. So it wasn't the you know what if Flash Gordon became Spider Man <laughs> or what if Electra had lived. You got to admit the initial the original run is the best. Yeah, well, yeah. But like I, I told you, I'm reading these because I bought the run off eBay with my son, and we're reading them together. So. Well, I can give you all of the what ifs, like like right after the show. Oh well, cool. I mean, then maybe we could do this next week here. We can chat and pick. Cool. Them. You yeah. you pick some. Cool. You pick. Th- I will say it's uh, it's it's great to revisit the what if world, and at the same time, um, you know, not everyone's a hit. <laughs> oh mean, no, no, yeah. No. Some of them really, yeah, they stretch it. Yeah. I mean, and some are just like. They just, they try and show you too much of the alternate, right? Like, like, uh, one of the ones was, uh, I think it was What If 22 Silver Surfer State on Earth. And it was done by Ron Mar, uh, by, uh, by, by Mars and Lim, which would make, make sense because they were the ones who were doing the Silver Surfer book at the time. Yeah. But, uh, but it just, it went to so many places. It just, it's like, it's like in one issue, he, I mean, it's like, Surfer can't leave the Earth. He becomes part of the FF. He hates it, but he does it. Uh, like Mephisto traps them. Um, <laughs> Mephisto's a dick. So uh, the Surfer ends up signing a pact oh, with Mephisto so that he could save Reed, Sue, and Ben. And it's gonna go over well. Uh, like then, like that happens, but essentially the world then becomes totally peaceful. There's no crime, no war. Nuclear disarmament because, um, all the demons have to retreat from Earth to keep Surfer at bay in, in, in Mephisto's realm, right? But then eventually, because human nature is evil, evil creeps back into the Earth, and then, like, Mephisto's ready to take over the Earth, but he can't because Silver Surfer's light keeps him at bay, and he can't get rid of Surfer because he signed the pact to keep him there. Mm. And it was like, I mean, I mean, like, cool and all, but damn, like, that's a lot of stuff going down in 20 pages, you know what I mean? It's like, I don't know. I, I think the best what-ifs are the ones that are Twilight Zone-esque. Yeah. They, they 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 take a little twist on something we're very familiar with already, and the twist has an, a cool cliffhanger or, or an oh-shit moment, you know? So, like... As well as the Treasury Edition, I think what-if should... There should be a mandate at Marvel that what if is always published. They always should do a what if. Yeah, 
Yeah, I'm with you there. I'm with you there. So much fun. Like, what if Wolverine became the new Lord of what? the Vampires? Or what if Wolverine was interesting? That'd be a Come good on, issue. I would like to, I would like to read really? that. Yeah. And you wonder why he's still on the shadow? Dude reads the shadow and he's fronting on Wolverine. You're so easy to get. Dude gets ascended by a guy in a trench coat and a fedora and a gun, but can't find anything interesting about a man who has Adamantium healing powers and has lived for Dude, years. He's stamping out the weed of crime. <laughs> Respect. Oh God. I just can't. You guys are the best. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I still have something to cover here. Well, hit it. You said your new goal is to hit everything. So hit it. I'm gonna hit it. Um, I don't think I have to profess my love for Craig Yell. You already know it, right? Yeah, you mentioned him. Yeah. Um, this, uh, I will ask you the question, what if Haunted Horror and Weird Love have a, had a baby? What would it be called? Weird Haunted. No, you're close though. It's called Haunted Terrible. Love. Haunted Love, uh, was a three issue miniseries from IDW in the exact same format as, um, Haunted Horror and Weird Love. And for my money, these uh IDW uh yo books are the best value on 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 the stands for me because they're 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 bigger page count longer page count um they're on upscale newsprint it's like a a a thicker thirstier it's not newsprint but it feels like newsprint it looks like newsprint it even smells a little like newsprint um and the artists they have on these things are incredible. If I said to you, hey, would you like to see Carmine Infantino inked by Joe Kubert? What would you say? Hell yeah. Well, you can see that in Haunted Love. And uh, the stories are just great. Part of it is just turning off the brain. And uh, it's it, this is the equivalent of a horror. It's not the equivalent. It is. It's a horror anthology. But these are pre-code horror books before idiot Wortham uh-huh. had his way and um the uh, exactly and creativity went in the shitter because they couldn't use words like vampire <laughs> what or zombie what's that about whatever i mean it was a different time when people were less informed than they are today um and did not rock the boat if if a psychologist told you hey comics are you know really impacting your children in a negative way in the 50s you you listened this person must know what they're talking about they have a they're they're a psychologist they have a degree whatever but it was a joke and it was a witch hunt and it was all self-promoting but anyway there's a story in um haunted love was this number two called love me forever it's a twist on the monkey's paw okay but it was written, uh, well, it's, I don't have a writer here, but it was by Ken Landau. And this story is, it's icky, man. The, 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 this guy, uh, Pierre Fabron, he really loves this Roxanne girl. I mean, she is a looker. She's got childbearing hips. Let's just put it that way. Uh, and the panel in which she's introduced is very Wallywood-esque. So 
you're, you're forming the, the mental image now, right? You know what this girl looks like. She's hot. She doesn't want anything to do with Pierre. Nothing. So Pierre goes to the, the local voodoo woman and, um, she gives him a potion that, um, she has one for a dollar that may or may not work. And Pierre's like, nah, I want something that's guaranteed to work. So she's like, all right. I got this one right here. It's a hundred bucks, but she will love you eternally, even from beyond the grave. This woman will be yours. So Pierre roofies Roxanne at a party and she can't take her eyes off him. She just, she, she, she wants this guy. She wants to be with him constantly. Every minute of the day, this woman wants Pierre. She's giving it to him left and right. He is Oh, he's over the moon. But after a while, you know, you get something a little bit too much and you don't want it anymore. If it comes like this easy and she's throwing himself at her, he's like, woman, get out of here. I don't want you. And he starts, you know, subcontracting. He goes out with other girls and Roxanne comes and she's just breaking up his moment with other women. He said, I can't have this. So he stabs her to death in a boat. And pitches her into the swamp. You see where this is going, right? Roxanne comes back to life. She's a skeleton. And even though she's a skeleton, she still has her hair. And she wears a nice white flower in her hair because she's dead, right? <laughs> it's so silly. But she does not leave him alone. She's dead. And she still clings to him and talks to him. And I don't know how a skeleton talks without lungs or a tongue, but she does it and and it's it's a it's a twist on the on the monkey's pond it's, it's simple effective but the art is just amazing ken landau it, it is these things are phenomenal there's one i'm not going to go through all of them because it's an anthology and it'll take me forever to do this and we only have like a limited time frame here but bud thompson an artist I haven't had a whole lot of experience with. I have some stuff by Bud Thompson, but um, this is a reprint from um, this magazine is Haunted Number 12. It was a faucet book. It's called The Door, and it has a horror host called Dr. Death. When you have a horror host, you have immediately won me over. I don't care if the, the story sucks. It's a horror host, creepy-ass motherfucker with a top hat and his... He's got skeleton hands and a red cloak. It's presence, right? He tells his story of uh, a man who was told not to go into um, the castle of Valord. Don't go in it. It's bad. The natives, the, 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 the townspeople shun it. Don't go near it. We're just telling you for your own good, foreigner, don't go in this castle because bad things will happen. So he's a playwright, and he's he's sitting at his his little desk writing his play, and he hears this sound. It's coming from the castle. He's like, "What is this shit?" So foolishly, he investigates, and he meets the Countess Saroon. Now this, this guy's name is Mord. His last name is Mord. They telegraph this shit right from the first page, um, and uh, he is so enamored with the Countess Saroon gorgeous creature and um he's like i didn't think anybody lived here 
you live here? And she's like, yeah, and they have some good times. And, and he goes back home. But as he goes back home, one of the villagers comes up to him and says, dude, stay out of this freaking castle. Nothing's going to come good of this. I've seen it happen. You, you're going to die. Get out of there. Go back home. Go back to America and just don't come back. He goes back. And there are parts of the castle that he can't get to. And he's told that, you know, nobody's going to be open this, open this door. It's a gigantic death's head. Nobody can open it. Yet he opens it. What? And he walks into the room. And there's a dragon in there. And he easily evades the dragon and starts flying. What the hell is going on here? This dude can fly. And he's in this otherworldly realm called, realm called the beyond. And there's the Countess Saroon. She's got guys chained to a pylon. There's demons all over the place. She's whipping the shit out of this guy, burning them alive, harpies, monsters all over the place. And she calls this, this Mord guy her master. And he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? I don't, I don't even, I'm not your master. She kisses him and it all comes back to him. He is death. The dude is death and never knew it. Oh. He was, but the thing that's notable about this story, other than its fact it's just a really good time, I don't believe I've seen this technique used this extensively. When he goes back into the castle, there are specters and demons and everything around him, but they only use blue. They, I, I'm, I'm sure they didn't do another plate just for the blue. They didn't, they didn't burn another plate, but it looks like they did. Like it, the, the blue is superimposed over the background. You, sh- you can see the black, the, the contour lines of, of what's going on in the panel. Like if, if Mord is walking down the steps, you see him, you see the steps and everything, but the blue creatures are superimposed over it. They're, they're semi-transparent. You can see through them. It is really effective. Like it's creepy. That these things are everywhere around him and he doesn't see them. We see them. It gives the reader like this vantage point that, that the, the protagonist doesn't have. Like you know more than what's going on. You're like, you're dead. You, you know, you're, you're going through the story. You're stupid because you got all these monsters around you and you can't even see them. And he gets to this otherworldly realm and somehow loses all of his skin mm. and he's death. Yeah. He, and, and he's the boss and she's like, I'm your slave, dude. Do it to me whatever you want. Yeah. This is fun. Yeah, these things are just, these things are so great. Um but they are reprints and they're pre code mm-hmm. um books. So y- you have to have an inclination for this stuff. They do not there's no comparison of for the stuff that's out today. Like there's a story called Death to Us Part. This guy is is you know, searching for diamonds in this really mountainous area. And he just taps the wrong rock and he falls into this ravine and breaks his his ankle and he's he's tended to by a baboon which is not a baboon it's a mandrill but the person drawing the story obviously never saw a baboon before because it's a mandrill and and this this mandrill keeps bringing him food and tending to him and he gets you know licking his wounds and and caressing him and bringing him water there's a lion that comes into the cave and the mandrill fights it off and the mandrill is obviously a female and um the guy's like holy shit i think this monkey's fallen in love with me and he bashes the monkey over the head to get away once he can walk goes back to his home and the freaking mandrill was gonna 
ravage his wife. Like it got into the house and he fucking killed it. And the, the, um, the panel with him shooting the, the monkey in the head, you look at the eyes of the monkey and it's really creepy. Like it looks like a human being with, in a mandrel body. Like the, the writer, I don't know if it's attributed to anyone. No. But the art was by the Iger shop. The, the writer was so canny that, or I should say the artists, the Iger shop, they, they did their job to the point where you are convinced by the end of this story that there's more to this monkey than just being a monkey. It's great stuff. I love these, these Craig Yo books. I, if they, and they're $4.99, they did a little bit of a switch during the run, like they started off at three ninety nine, which is was an incredible value, but now they're four ninety nine, they're still even worth it. Especially with our discount at DCBreeservice.com. Awesome. You should be looking at if you like horror and you know, you don't want to buy a ton of books to get a story, all these are done in one. Each individual story's done. Great artists, some of the industry's bests. But it it this is history that I think a lot of people, you know, blank on especially younger people you never get to see these things and idw is doing your service by publishing these oh, so wow. get them oh. no they are this is great i live for this shit and my stack with the exception of my in your travels is done look at that yes wow. it's gonna be like this every every week on, just keep on keeping on then and do your inner travels okay um and you don't be have to be tended to. You don't to, be having to be doing to be doing stuff. You don't have to be doing That's really a mandrel to get cheap comics. Uh, all you got to do is go to dcbservice.com. You'll get them and get a lot of them. Uh, such as, let's see, Blue Beetle, Ted Cord, Jaime Reyes, get it. Dollar forty nine. Witch Finder, City of the Dead, number one, one dollar seventy five cents. And Sanford Green, David Walker, Power Man, Iron Fist, eight ninety nine for the trade. Six issues, you can't beat it. In your travels, I have been talking about this Burke often. Uh, Burke, Burke. Mm, love that Burke. Burke. The beer makes me pronounce things even worse than I normally yeah, do. Yeah, worse, yeah. Na- Namer. Could be worse, right? Uh, drinking swipes. Yeah, it's true. And be an unfun. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> this book, I originally bought this. <laughs> Finding glory over here. It has to be a good four years since I ordered this thing. Probably more. I, I can fire up the Amazon to find it now for sure, but nobody really cares. It was originally solicited under a different title. It was called... Yes, it was called, and I believe a different publisher. Like I, it's published now by IDW, but when I originally pre-ordered it, I did not take note. But if the publisher was IDW, I would have. So I'm, I'm, I'm hazarding to guess that it was not originally solicited by IDW. I don't believe I've ever seen it in the previews magazine. There was a switch along the way. I don't know how or why it happened, but it was originally called. The Complete Galaxy Illustrations. This hardcover volume, which retails for $29.99, a bargain at twice the price, is called Wally Wood, Galaxy Art and Beyond. I have it sitting right here. But, I, haven't, I haven't read it yet, though. Oh, you have it? Mm-hmm. Well, there is introductory... Introduct- mm. 
I know, I'm shitting all over the place. There is about 20 pages, 21 pages of introductory text, Damn. but the majority of this book is just illustrations. Chuck-a-block. So all I have to do is say, Wally Wood, Outer Space, Women. But it's not, there's not a preponderance of women because it was Galaxy Magazine and others where he was not, um, he didn't have the option to really sex it up. There are some that are very sexy, but they are not the norm in this book. It's more of Wally Wood's proclivity to drawing futuristic vehicles and environments the only way Wally Wood can. This book is amazing. And, you know, if if you are a person who likes great art, some of the best art ever to grace, you know, uh, the, the printed page, I firmly believe that's true. Wally Wood was in a class all by himself, I think. Uh, you best get this book because it is, it is phenomenal. Oh, I'm on it. Yeah, you have it, so you're, of course you're on it. On it like a bonnet. He's on it. Yep. What you want, Daffy do? I'm very pleased to get it. Um, only like three or four years after the fact. So. Don't you hate that when you order shit from Amazon like years and years ago and it just, you forget about it and all of a sudden you get a shipping notice and you're like, what? No, I hate the opposite. I hate where I order something, forget about it, and then I get a cancellation notice. So years later, I'm like, oh my, I'm like, really? Oh, yeah. See, I like to be surprised. So I don't check my Amazon like list. Stop. Why you got to do that? We're talking about shit that was... (laughs) Wait, because I mentioned something recent? Yeah, you said Dark Knight 3. Like, it's it's not... True? It's not... It's not that late. Dude, issue 6 was canceled. And resolicited. It was resolicited. We're going to get it. Oh, cool. Poor Frank. Man, you... I don't know. Did he, like, inappropriately touch you at some period? I have never seen no, it. No, he did I... Dark Knight 2. That's what he did. Oh, douche. Senor douchebaggy. Oh, my goodness. Oh, was like 400 episodes. You're finally getting a hint. So, okay. Ooh. Okay, that tent's over here. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's pumping a tent. <laughs> Dark Knight 2 is perfect in every way. You don't have to. It stands on its own. <laughs> Frank doesn't care. Why should he care? Does it exactly? Exactly. I read it. I know he doesn't care. Because he's awesome. Oh. He walks on water. God. He could heal himself. He just chooses she's not to do so. I just don't think it's hilarious that, uh, that, that girl on the other show thought he was a really old dude when she met him. <laughs> It's so funny. <laughs> 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 oh, Thank God for Yingling. So you guys, so 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 one of you hates getting cancellation notices and or or finally getting it, and then the other. I like surprises. I like book out of the blue that just arrives on my doorstep. If it wasn't for email ruining the fact that you know they tell me when it's going to ship. That that would be not good, but uh, yeah, I like to get stuff I didn't, I don't remember ordering. It's great. Oh, I do enjoy it's like, surprises. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what do you got? Uh, this is a um, this actually was released on Monday. Um, 
so you can get it from from Amazon or in stock trades is is offering it. Uh, it is from Dover Publications. This is a collection of a um, and so it, it's it's not going to be a one shot. It's it's a collection of a twenty one issue series from uh, started in nineteen ninety three ran. It's about 1997. This is Terry S. Woods' Wandering Star. Oh, good stuff. So the, the collection was finally released and, uh, and, and I am flipping through it. It is a gorgeous collection. Uh, it, it is, it is thick. It is a fantastically made package. Um, I think my only complaint, uh, would be the, um, the binding does not. It, it it suffers from the problem where um, when you get to the middle of of the uh, the interiors of the pages, it, it's harder to read the uh, the panels because of the binding. It, it there's not a lot uh-huh. not a lot of room not a lot of, not a lot of play where the um, for it, on the gutters on the sides for for the inside of the uh, mm. of the binding. But I mean, it's still it. It, the stitching will hold up. It, it, it's good enough where it's sturdy, so you can actually, you know, just put the book down and and read it. But Terry's art just pops. It's on um, it's on some slick paper. It's it's black and white. There's some bonus material in the back. It is uh, if if you did not get to finish the series way back when it was originally self published from uh, Pen and Ink Comics, then uh, it, it finished up. Over at Sirius, and uh, it is it, it, there's a gallery section. There's an introduction from uh, by Miss Maggie Thompson. Oh, yeah, where um, she uh, she talks about Terry's early work, and uh, in an introduction by by the artist. There's a um, some of the some of the pages have been cleaned up. Little bit here and there, especially with the lettering, but it, it's still, it, it was a story even back then. It, it's kind of timeless in a way. It doesn't feel like it's a 90s story. It doesn't, uh, doesn't look like really anything else that was coming out from anybody else. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I, I've been a fan of Terry for, for years. Her, uh, her, the cartoonist in Amazing Heroes. Um, I just, I really like the style, the, the, just the inking with the, very delicate, deliberate, uh, dots for some shading. All the characters are just crazy. I'm not, I mean, you can look up the book and, and, and get a feel for, uh, who the characters are and get a synopsis of the story. It's, it's Cassandra, who's, uh, the daughter of the president of the United Nations of Earth. Um, there's, there's Madison as a member of the crew. There's just, it's, you kind of get, sucked into it it's not something you can kind of just flip through and, and put down you yeah it's kind of like finder in, yes yeah yeah yeah, uh, yeah but but you get immersed in in this world with these characters uh it's it's the art is just absolutely stunning but yeah i think i'm going to just take my time and and read an issue or two uh at a time at a clip and and uh make my way through it i'll be rereading the earlier issues 
and uh and finally um cuz I really don't remember the uh how the series ended so it'll be nice to kind of almost go through that for for the first time again but yeah so it's it's now available it is a thick freaking book um but it is uh it's nice looking it does it does have a dust jacket fence, but the interior, the, the, the actual cover of the book is, um, is not engraved. It's, it's, it's imprinted and it's, and it attracts cat hair like there's no tomorrow. But it's, it's. Isn't it great when you can revisit a work and you remember everything you loved about that work and, and, um, it, 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 you garner a wider, a, a deeper appreciation for the book. Yeah, you've got the, the experience work. on your side. You, you yeah, I read, I think it's, was also published by Dover. Um, uh, text pieces aside, which I don't believe were reprinted in the book, I, I got the complete Puma Blues. Ooh. Oh, okay. It's rough. Yeah, you mentioned it. It is rough. I can't get through it. Michael Zuli's art's great, but the story, uh, step on my head. It's like, why? What, what a, I it, it's just, it, it seems unlike the thing that I read way back when. Uh, of course, I was younger. Right. By, by what, like 20 years or whatever, but, um, I, I can't get through it. Mm-hmm. Dover also um, did the Boz Chronicles, which is awesome, yeah. and and remains awesome. And since you mentioned um, Finder, the afterword in the book is by Carlos B. McNeil. Well, look at that! So. I'm prescient. You is what you got, Bo? In your travels, I hinted at it a few minutes ago. You got to be checking out that Department H. Yeah. Uh, yes. Third issue came out uh, today. Um, That'll be my next box. Yeah, uh, indeed. Uh, for those that uh, haven't seen the book yet, Department H, aka Depth, plenty of words there. It's a murder mystery. Mia, who is a marine biologist scientist, it descends to Department H six miles under the ocean, and she is tasked with figuring out who killed her father, who was the head of Department H, and widely considered the smartest man on the earth. And it is a good old fashioned murder mystery where every person in the undersea um, research facility is a legitimate um, uh, candidate to have done the deed. And Mia has very deep rooted history with most of them as well, which further complicates things. And I, I mean, Kent never does me wrong, so I know this is going to be awesome, but um, when he starts off the first issue letters page by saying that uh, that Department H was inspired by G.I. Joe, Adventure People, Tintin, Agatha Christie, Raymond Chandler, Moby Dick, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, Sherlock Holmes, and Jacques Cousteau. I mean... And the Shadow. No, he doesn't mention the Shadow. Um, that's like music to my ears. And... He's made it very clear that this format is going to be each issue is going to be one day in Mia's yep. life. And he's also promising that if you buy the single issues, you're going to get lots of back matter and stories and art that you will not get in the collected editions. And it also is a murder mystery. So there will be clues in every issue. 
so you can play along and figure it out. If you pay attention enough, you should be able to figure it out yourself. And uh, we'll get to an endpoint, and we'll have a reveal. And uh, I cannot wait for the ride. I'm alone for the ride, as I am yeah. for all Matt Kent things. But um, I have a sneaking suspicion this may end up at or near the top of the pantheon of his already exceptional bibliography. Yeah, I, I yep. agree with that. Yeah, and and, and so far, I'll, I have the second issue here. But the first issue is twenty four. So yeah, so it is. It is a full day. It is twenty four hours, and and the fact that each each issue is like twenty four pages. It, it just, it's. I, I I loved the first issue, and yeah, mm-hmm. it's um. And and he he asks you know, the readers, the fans to to write in, throw their uh, throw their suspects, and and uh, see who who it may be. But yeah, it's um. It was it. First issue was great. I uh, I'm looking forward to getting that third. Sweet, excellent. All right, people. If you enjoyed what you heard here, I don't see how you couldn't or wouldn't. Um, Can't wait to see your show notes. Yeah, there's a lot of them. Oh yeah, three stooges. I had I, I had to turn the page to the side to write in the margins of the damn thing. Um, please leave us a review on iTunes or uh, comparable um, aggregating. Hey, <laughs> in aggregate, I don't say that enough. Uh, and um, we love you so much in your travels. Say good night. David. Good night. Wow. Get the sound. Oh, excellent. I think you nailed that one. I try. Yeah. Cool beans. This was awesome. Yeah. I have fun. Can't wait to see you dudes. Soon. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Go to bed. Um, we love you guys. Be here next week. We'll, we'll have something warm or bubbly or cold waiting for you. Whatever you want. We'll just surf it up. That's what we do. Bye.